Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? A blessed Merry Christmas to everybody, as we are still within the 12 days of Christmas. Also, of course, we are within the octave of Christmas as well. So a blessed uh, day, a blessed seventh day of the octave of Christmas, tomorrow being the octave day itself, the eight days since Christmas. And also it happens to be New Year's Eve and Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, who stepped down and retired back in 2013, passed away earlier this morning, Rome time. Uh... Still processing a lot of that. As you all know, I am a um, very public and <laughs> uh, definitely don't shy away from my Catholic faith. I am a, call myself a traditional Catholic, even though it's, it's Catholicism, you know, at the end of the day. Um, so that has been an interesting process to go through because Benedict XVI was really the big pope of my of my lifetime. Uh, during my formative years, especially, he was the Pope uh, during my time in high school, especially. And I'll give more of my own story about my introduction to Benedict XVI as well as Pope um, in a little bit. But obviously, a lot of things to talk about. It is, of course, also New Year's Eve. So we'll be looking back in the year 2022, specifically in films that I saw in 2022, both films of the year and also films that I happened to finally see in the year 2022 as well. And uh, I'm not giving my top list or bottom list yet because there are still a few films that I want to see. Uh, for good films, I especially want to see the film Whale with Brendan Fraser. I think I mentioned this in the video that I posted earlier on the channel. And there might be a couple others that I want to look at. Uh, I always try to look at the list of all the films that came out in the year and say, okay, did I really want to go see this? Or is there something maybe that I want to see again just to confirm my my like or disliking of a film? Usually it's the liking of a film. If I don't like a movie or if I didn't have a good experience watching a film, I typically don't watch it again unless there was something there. Unless there was something there that was, uh, I think, worth seeing again. But... We'll talk about that as well. But before we get further, though, please make sure you smash that like button, love that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey, and smash the rumble button if you're watching over there. And again, thank you all for joining me on this New Year's Eve with a ton of things to, to talk about. Uh, today will be a full stream, so the full 90 minutes as the wife is going to a New Year's Eve party. Uh, we are both introverted people, and... Uh, so she is going to the party because she um, wants to support uh, her friend who is hosting the party, as a lot of people, unfortunately, had to back out due to weather, illness, etc. Uh, so she is going off to do that. And so I have the evening free, at least for the 90 minutes that I typically stream on Saturday evenings. And so for all those who are joining me tonight, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me. I know that a lot of you probably have your own plans with your own families and so for you to spend that time with me, uh, definitely I don't take it lightly. So again, thank you all very much for joining me today. We'll go ahead and say hello to some people in the YouTube chat first with Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. Hail to you, good sir, saying it's the new year, 2023, over in the UK. So Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington, happy new year to you. It's currently 7.03 p.m. as I am speaking this right now. So we are still a little ways away here in the great state of Tennessee from the new year, but we'll get there. Brian Barth, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Jay Roar, what is going on? Thank you for being here. And uh, 
when I saw this, yeah, I was I was looking at the comments prior to, to going live, and I honestly, when I saw this, I just, I couldn't believe um, that someone hadn't heard this yet. But yeah, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, Pope Emeritus, uh, as he stepped down and retired as Pope back in 2013, he did indeed pass away today. So it was around 9.30 or so a.m. Rome time, which I think would have been around 1 a.m. or so here in Eastern time. And... Uh, yeah, it, it's just one of those events that happens uh, not too often, I would, I would say, in most people's lives, right? Because when it comes to popes, they tend to, at least more recently with people like John Paul II reigning for as long as he did, they, they tend to reign for long enough periods where you, you tend not to experience the death of popes too often. Or if you can, you, you, you can count on maybe one hand, maybe two, uh, the number of popes that, that are pope during your lifetime and so for me it's just this very odd thing because even though he stepped down and retired back in 2013 and created this period this position of emeritus um, for himself it is still one of those things that it's it's still an odd thing because it's still the death of a pope typically when we have the death of a pope it's the end of a papacy but pope francis right is is still the current pontiff and so it's just one of those things where it's again it's a very odd thing to process but but of course before saying anything else uh rest in peace to pope Benedict 16th may perpetual light shine upon him uh, may everyone pray for the repose of of the good pontiff soul bruce is in the chat hail to you bruce keely chow is in the chat as well zax is hanging out tonight what's going on zax welcome Mike Jackson in the chat. What is going on? Thanks for being here. JKDBuck76, who is a member on the channel. Thank you very much for being here. Remember, if you have a comment or question, please just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin, no matter what platform you're watching on, lets me know you're trying to get my attention. And of course, if you are a member on the channel on YouTube, one of the perks is that you don't have to worry about tagging. Though, of course, if I see you tagging other people, I assume that you're having conversations with them. Uh, Keely Chow, what's going on? Says, how are you? How's Thor and your wife? Wife's doing well. Baby Thor is sleeping. So he's doing quite well. We uh, we had an interesting experience with a family uh, in, in Virginia. We uh, did a trip to Williamsburg and I was sick for the vast majority of the time. And one of the main things that we did was go to the Bush Gardens there. And I'll just say from the one experience of going during this time of the year, that park is terrible. <laughs> I mean, most of the rides, or at least it seemed like half the coasters in the park were shut down, either because of something to do with the season or, uh, 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 you know, a shortage of workers, potentially. Um, I don't know exactly what the reason was. So so half the co- coasters were shut down. And then of the ones that were working, we had experiences, you know, again, I only got to go to the park one night, you know, rather two nights. And the first night I was mostly chasing baby Thor around. So I wasn't able to really do anything, and I also wasn't feeling very well. Second night, I was at home sick. Third night, I finally felt well enough to go and to, to actually go to the park. And I only got to go on two rides. And that's weird for me. I'm someone that's a, I'm a park enthusiast, so I like to ride, you know, not just the coasters, but the thrill rides as well. There was one ride especially called Mock Tower, and it is being closed down permanently in the beginning of January, just within about a week or so, actually of when we were there. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't like the tower drops all that much, but this is going to be one of the last times that anyone's going to be able to ride this ride as they're going to shut it down. And of course, this was kind of like the the theme of the trip when we were at this park. We were waiting in line, and then all of a sudden we get close to going on the ride, and then the ride shuts down. 
because of some mechanical issue. So this happened not only with Mock Tower, but also with uh, a couple of the other rides as well. And it was just ridiculous. So anyway, if, if anyone's ever interested in going to Busch Gardens Williamsburg, I would not recommend it, at least during this time of the year. Connor B is hanging out over on Odyssey. What's up, Connor B? Thank you very much for, for being here. Uh, and uh, Kili Chow, I, of course, will, will keep uh, her in my prayers. And again, sorry for her loss. Again, a lot of people um, losing people, of course, during this time of the year. And just a lot of things going on. It's just kind of crazy to think about how so much happens within the like, not just the last day, but even within the last week, two weeks of the year. It just seems like so many things have happened. J.S. Pena, what's going on? Welcome. Bruce, tag to say, hail to the All-Father, who is so awesome. He's spending New Year's Eve with us. Yes, indeed. Sherry Allen, what's going on? Happy New Year to you. I know that it is uh, the new year where you are. So thank you again for joining this evening as the chat jumps on me like it usually does. Let me check and see what's going on on the other platforms. So no one hanging out over on Rumble yet. We are live on Rumble, on Odyssey, and on YouTube, as well as Twitter. Though, of course, who knows exactly who's watching on Twitter and there's no comment section that you can check or anything like that. I know that there used to be. Uh, with with Periscope, and then they, of course, killed that. So hopefully Elon Musk is able to to either bring that back or to bring some of these features back that they shut down for silly reasons, I would say. And we'll, of course, wait and see. By the way, if I, if I sound a little stuffy, it's because I am still getting over part of what I was dealing with for, for the vacation I was on. Master of Gaming, what's going on? Welcome. He tagged to say, uh, 2022 is the year people voted with their wallets. Uh, to some degree... To some degree, all right, I, I would say that that only is true in, in part because there are films that absolutely bombed and absolutely try to push agenda items, but there are other films that actually ended up doing pretty well. Uh, I talked about this in my video that, uh, earlier today. I mean, Black Panther Wakanda Forever has made over $800 million worldwide. Now, we can talk about that, how that's around $300 million less or $400 million less or $500 million less, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it'd be 500 million less than what the first Black Panther did. We can talk about how the ticket price today means that so many less people went to go see that film in comparison in that department too, when you look at it from that perspective. But we also have to look at what was been reported as far as their budget is concerned. And based on what we have in front of us, what's been officially reported at least, it's a $100 million profit of a movie. And it's still making some money. It's, it's likely going to end somewhere between 825 and 850 worldwide by the end of its run. So it's, again, one of those weird things. Also, look at Avatar Way of the Water. There is a lot of agenda items in that movie, too, in addition to it just being a waste of time and money. Uh, and I know that not everyone in the chat agrees with that assessment. It does still have agenda items within the story itself, just like the first one did. Um, Save the Whales, amongst others, right? James Cameron even speaking about cutting 10 minutes out of the movie because he didn't want to feature guns in the film, apparently. That's some, that's some new information that we have. His talk about masculinity being being toxic, right? The, these understandings that we have, or testosterone, was, I think the word that he used for it. But basically talking about toxic masculinity, as we've seen so many others do. That film has made over $1.2 billion, is likely going to be at close to, what, $1.5 billion by the end of this weekend? Now, I think that they are updating the internationals more... Uh, more consistently than normally happens because of the holidays. So it may not be as big of a jump as we would typically have in a off holiday weekend. But the fact is that the movie is making uh, a lot of money. 
And apparently a lot of people left this comment saying James Cameron walked back his comments and, and said it's not the it doesn't need to make as much as the third or fourth highest grossing film. It, it needs to make closer to the ninth or tenth. So that would mean one point five billion is the break even to which I say I don't care because good for you. I, I James Cameron, I was already mocking him for claiming the two billion dollar mark because it just, again, goes against everything that's being reported. So that starts to make me ask questions of, okay, what are the actual numbers for this movie as far as the production budget, the marketing, etc.? Because according to the numbers that we have, the film's already made its money back and is already $100 million in profit. But if James Cameron, the guy that made the film, says $1.5 to $2 billion, whatever day, of course, he is telling us the truth, if he is telling us the truth, then that would indicate that the film hasn't made its money back yet. And uh, so I would, again, say Master of Gaming, I think it's true to an extent. It's definitely true to an extent. Uh, Father Christopher Miller, hail to you, Father. Again, thank you for doing that stream earlier today. I, I wish I could have uh, listened to it, uh, but I was, as I mentioned in the chat, I was watching Baby Thor. Santo, subito, Papa, Benedicto. Absolutely. Rob D., what's going on? Welcome back to the chat. We got Laura, the modern major general story, hanging out tonight. What's going on, Laura? Says, Happy New Year's Eve as guardians and Happy New Year's to those in parts of the world where it is currently the new year. It is going to be a little bit longer for, for me and, and much longer for the modern major general being in, in the West Coast time. <laughs> oh, man. Bruce is playing to see Megan. Oh, my goodness. No, don't do it. The trailer makes it look so terrible. Uh, Philip, what's going on? Welcome. We also have NR, 1978. Happy New Year from Belgium. Happy New Year to you. Wine <laughs> says, the future is good. I hope it stays that way. Uh, Laura says, saw the whale. You might want to wait and watch it on streaming so you can skip the first few moments of the movie. Kind of uncomfortable scene. Ah, thank you, Laura. Laura knows me very well, so she knows the kinds of things that will turn me off on a movie pretty quickly. Uh, so thank you very much for mentioning that, Laura. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's still a film that I really want to see. And so I, I don't know exactly when it'll be available on streaming um, because it's not even available in, in most theaters yet. So Gus, what's going on? Thanks for tagging. What's going on? Alice McCarthy says, howdy, Olden House Thor. Merry Christmas Day 7. Charlotte Flair returned last night after several months out to win the SmackDown title from Ronda. Typical WWE. Yep, typical WWE, which is why I still don't watch it. And I know that it's trending better, according to you, and maybe a couple other people. But yeah, I'll stick with, you know, AEW, which itself has its own problems, but is a little bit more consistent. Uh, the more act what's going on, welcome. Appreciate you being in the chat. Laura says, The daughter and I got a kick out of the use of the Moby Dick novel in The Whale. She has she had to read it for class and hated it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. So, obviously, I'll understand that probably a bit more once I actually see the movie. But uh, let me just say, is it is it funny for you because of that personal experience? Or is it funny in the movie? Is it is it similar to obviously it's not it's not supposed to be a comedy like Bullet Train for instance where there's a use of Thomas the Train used very effectively <laughs> throughout the movie um, which is you know obviously hilarious and hysterical um, but uh, let me know if that is the case by the way apparently the chat had disconnected for a moment so hopefully we are still live and and available in all the platforms so I don't know exactly what YouTube's chat was doing there but. 
Anyway, hopefully we are indeed still live as I'm catching up with the chat. 705 in the chat. It is 716 in real life. Kimberly G says, Happy New Year to all. Stay hopeful. Absolutely. Can never lose hope. You can never, ever lose hope. Um, and that is something that I think is oftentimes what many of the influencers of society, of culture, will try to do. I think they will try to always, in certain respects, to try to you know take away hope. And it is something that I think absolutely needs to never be lost. And it's a hard thing sometimes to hold on to. So um, absolutely stay hopeful. Absolutely. Let's see. Father Christopher Miller says, Ben Sixteenth is my fifth pope. I've lived through the three of 78, although I don't remember it. Funeral is scheduled for 930 uh, Thursday, Rome time. It's going to be an early morning that day. Yeah, I mean, that's something where I will be back at work. So I don't think I'll be able to watch it live, but it's definitely something that I will uh, probably watch on the replay for sure. Um, but oh man, yeah. That is, it's again, it's just a crazy thing to think about. Uh, Brian the Bar says, what did Pope Benedict do to the resign? He stated it. Uh, so uh, it's it's not unprecedented for a Pope to step down. This was talked about a lot in 2013 because it had been, what, 500 plus years, five to 700 years since the last Pope had stepped down. But it is the first Pope that we ever had to step down and create a title of Pope Emeritus. So Pope Benedict XVI is not the first Pope to step down, um, especially by his own choice, but also uh, he is the first Pope, though, that was a Pope Emeritus. Uh, typically, the rare times that it's happened in church history, typically the Pope who steps down would uh, go to a life of quiet um, and just you know be out of the entire sphere. They would retake their name as either Cardinal or, or just as their, their priestly name, and they would just go and live a quiet life as, as just a priest um, because they would give up the entire office. That's what you know, Pope Francis stepping down, or rather, sorry, not Pope Francis, Pope Benedict XVI stepping down caused a lot of confusion in the church because it had obviously been centuries since the last time. And it was also something that um, was was just left a lot of questions because of him creating this, this office that didn't actually exist, right? I mean, obviously, as Pope, there's there's certain levels of power and authority that, that a Pope has. But the office itself was was very confusing, and he continued to wear white, continued to wear uh, the white zucchetto as well, continued to be called Pope, even though he was called Pope Emeritus, uh, which, again, Emeritus just means a fancy title of saying retired. So it, it caused a lot of confusion. And so my, my, my guess is, and my hope is at least, that some of that confusion that was created by him stepping down will be resolved. Uh, I know that there's already been, obviously, a lot of commentaries about uh, the the Pope's death, um, you know, Pope Benedict XVI passing away. Uh, a lot of people either loved him or hated him and have already let those feelings out pretty quickly. Some are already being quick to try to declare him a saint. Some are already trying to declare him, you know, uh, I wouldn't say condemned to hell, but are, are definitely not being very kind to him. And I'm just here saying, hey, <laughs> let's pray for the repose of his soul first. Let's obviously allow him to to have you know to you know for his body to be laid to rest before trying to go down that the rabbit holes that can sometimes be created by people you know. Uh, Alice McCarthy says, "Did you get Park Hoppin footage for Bush Gardens?" I did not. Uh, I really didn't have the opportunity or chance to because of everything going on. So, 
Uh, Rob D, what's going on, says, how badly do you think Babylon will flop? It's another Amsterdam in that it was marketed for who's in it and not what it's about. Yeah, I mean, I'll have a full box office breakdown tomorrow because we'll have our second weekend numbers for that movie. And it is a weird one because it came out over Christmas and now it's second weekends over New Year's. And so it is definitely a weird position for that movie. So I would say that right now it's looking around $100 million in the red. I don't know if it's going to stay over $100 million in the red or not. I don't. It wasn't the most expensive film in the world. It costs definitely a bit more than I think it probably should have. And I haven't seen it yet to be able to, to give my own thoughts on it, but I've obviously heard a lot of bad things about it. It's definitely not getting love from either critics or from general audiences. So I, I definitely think that it is uh, something that's going to end up uh, causing some issues, right? Causing some problems for the for the studio. And I believe it's uh, Paramount released for that movie specifically. All right, so I will get to the rest of those comments as the, the chat has jumped on me once again, but I want to let me check in with the Rumble Hangout. Again, if you're over on Rumble, thank you all for, for hanging out on Odyssey. Thank you all for hanging out. But let's go ahead and, and start off with our year in review. Let's do that first. So let me go ahead and and pull up. There we go. Our, our, the news, what I, what I have described as it's it's the news report is how it's often as I was labeled on, on OBS. So these are the films that I have uh, marked down as having watched in 2022, as well as my grade of the movie. Obviously, uh, using a star system here. In my actual reviews, when I do full breakdowns, I give a letter grade review to a movie. So these are all from Letterboxd. So if you don't know, I am on Letterboxd OMB reviews. Finally <laughs> upgraded to their premium account so I could change it away from, from my old name. Uh because obviously some people still recognize me as Odin's Movie Blog, but I did change it, I think, earlier this year, in fact. If not last year, I think it was earlier this year, though, that I finally you know, rebranded to OMB Reviews because I just felt it was a little bit more accurate as to you know what content we cover on the channel in general. But anyway, so this is my diary over on... Yeah, that's right. We're going into Odin's Diary. The Diary of OMB Reviews over on Letterboxd. But if you have a Letterboxd and you want to follow me over there, you are more than welcome to. So as you'll see, these are films that I watched in 2022. Most of them will be from the year 2022, not all of them. So for instance, the first film I have logged is Last Night in Soho, which I ended up seeing late January because it was a movie that was limited release and I was not able to actually go see it until the end of January. And uh, obviously it ended up being one of my favorite movies of, of 2021. So we'll go just go through these movies, uh, and I'll, I'll try and give brief comments on them. And then of course I'll, I'll jump back into the chat as well. So the first movie I have logged and there might be other films that I have seen, but I maybe have also looked over as well. Uh, so if you maybe notice, Hey, I know that you did a review of this and it's not in your letterbox. You can maybe let me know in the chat. I don't know what I'll be able to fix that, but, uh, uncharted was the first 2022 film that I have logged here. And Oh boy, was, was that just not a good film? Not a good film at all. Gave it two and a half stars. I think in my review, I must have given it either a C minus or a D plus. It was just not good. It was just not good at all. <laughs> and this is coming from someone that has no actual knowledge of the game. I, I grew up not really playing. I wasn't much of a, I'm not much of a modern gamer. Right? I grew up with Game Boy, with Sega Genesis, with N64, and then a little bit of the Nintendo Wii. But for the most part, I you know I've played a couple of modern games on the PS4. It's like the newest system that I have, other than the the Switch. Um, but I'm not much of a much of a gamer, so I don't really have a lot of knowledge about Uncharted. But 
when everyone who was a gamer was saying this is not at all what the film is supposed to be or what the story is supposed to be. I was like, okay, that's kind of what I expected. But then when I went to go see it and I was like, from the get go, when you have this really poorly done CGI sequence of Nathan Drake, you know, played by Tom Holland, jumping from these boxes, you know, falling out of a plane. I already knew I was like, okay, we're off to a we're off to a great start here, people. And it was not. It was it was terrible. I hated it. And yeah, Uncharted, not a great film and not a film I would recommend to anybody. Uh, the next film after that I saw was The Batman. I gave that three stars. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, and the more that I sat with the movie, the, the more I disliked it. And I know for some people it's actually on their top five, top ten list of the year. For me, it's just not one of those movies. I, I, I really appreciated the performance given by uh, Colin Farrell. I, I thought that that his his performance was phenomenal as Penguin. I He just got so lost that you honestly thought it was someone... It was, it, you thought it had to be a different actor because he, he so became the role that you, you didn't even see other than just like, again, the glimpses of Colin Farrell's face that you could still see through the makeup. You really honestly couldn't really see it all that well. And so, again, uh, I thought that that performance was great, but everything else, else about the film kind of just fell flat for me. You know, it, it was a bit on the long side and not in a good way, right? It just felt very long, very bloated. Um, Robert Pattinson was okay as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. And, and I, I was one of those persons that was like, hey, I'm willing to give this guy a shot because I know what happened when people downplayed and and prejudged performances uh, before the films came out, came out. I remember when people did that for Heath Ledger's Joker. And I remember saying, hey, I don't think y'all have seen all the Heath Ledger films to know that this guy actually has some range. And sure enough, he rocked it as as Joker. So I was like, hey, I don't think y'all understand the range that Robert Pattinson has as an actor. And he does have range. But in the end, the performance was just, uh, just again, a, a bit sedated, I guess. It was very underwhelming. It was not impressive. It was not something where I'm like, oh, he's going to be remembered as Batman in 20, 30 years. This is, gonna, this is a very forgettable movie. And... You, you add to that some of the problems that the film has story-wise, right? They, they obviously play a little bit of that political game uh, in the movie at a couple of points. The, 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 the part that really, though, made this movie a no-go for me, as far as just not really liking it, was what they ended up doing with the character of the Riddler. Because I went in looking so forward. I, I, I was looking forward to... Paul Dano's performance, because I love Paul Dano. If you've been watching my channel for a while, you know Paul freaking Dano is one of my favorite actors currently working, because I think he's just, he has this really great talent that I think especially shows up in, in independent films. If you want to see a great example of that, check out his performance, his supporting performance in the film Prisoners with Hugh Jackman. Great film by my favorite working director, Denis Villeneuve. Um, phenomenal movie. He is fantastic in it as well. I would also recommend uh, his leading performance in um, another independent film, which came out called, oh my goodness, I always blank out on the name of it. Swiss Army Man's fun, but that's not the one I was thinking of. Um, it's uh, Ruby Sparks. I actually really liked that one a lot, and I thought his performance in the film was was pretty great. So he, he showed himself to be someone that can handle, right, that, that kind of leading uh, persona, especially the supporting persona. I mean, There Will Be Blood, I think, is also a great uh, supporting performance from him. But they decided to turn him into a YouTuber who was an extremist. And he's in the mask and going, hey, guys, thank you so much for your support. And it was that moment where I said, OK, all of the the cool, dark persona that you've built up with this character is now completely gone. 
And it was at that point where I just checked out of the movie. I was like, okay, no, this is stupid. I would rather watch the Joel Schumacher remakes, right? The Joel Schumacher Batman films, as bad as those movies are, they're at least funny. They're at least entertainingly bad. Whereas the Batman, it's just, again, it's a drudge. Uh, the next film I saw was, as you can see, haven't really, didn't really see a lot of films early in the year, especially. Uh, the next film I saw was Morbius. Uh, and this is a movie where, obviously, it's a bad movie. I gave it one and a, one and a half stars. I think I ended up giving like a D rating uh, in my video. And it's a bad movie. There's no denying that. But the memes that came from Morbius, I think, are one of the positive highlights of 2022. Especially when it comes to movies. It's Morbin time. That entire thing was fantastic. There's now been things that I've I found recently. I don't know if they existed earlier in the year when this film first came out. But there's been people who have been taking posters of, of sequels and of other universes and adding in Morbius to it. And it's been hilarious. It's been fantastic. So even though the film is terrible, and again, I, I'm very clear in my review of it, I think it's a terrible, terrible movie in Morbius. It is still one of those movies that I have to appreciate because of the memes that it created. So much so that the studio thought it was genuine. They thought it was genuine positive reaction. Or at least they thought that the meme culture was somehow going to maybe drive new interest in the movie. Where they re-released it and no one went to go see it. It was, it was pretty phenomenal to see it happen actually. Um, and it was fun to cover the box office when that was going on as well. So Morbius, terrible movie. Uh, I then saw Coda, which was which was a film from 2021. Uh, this was one of those movies that was unfortunately uh, very limited in its its accessibility because it was an Apple uh, TV original movie. But it was actually a really good movie. It was very well done. I liked it a lot. It was, I think that was also one of my top films of last year. Um, and if it wasn't, then it's because of the fact that it came out um, or I didn't have access to it until after I had already created my list. And uh, this film would absolutely, you know, make it if, if it's not already on there. Uh, so and then I saw Silent the Hedgehog 2, which I was not a fan of. I know that there are a lot of people on this channel that thoroughly enjoyed it. I was not one of them. This film literally put me to sleep. It literally put me to sleep. And even though I have fallen asleep in other films that I've rewatched and ended up loving... Because I, I recognize that I, I watched it at a time where I was already, you know, kind of predisposed to, to, to falling asleep. It was a movie that uh, I did not have any interest in rewatching. And I still, to this day, have not rewatched it. And I do not want to. I do not want to. So, yeah. Was not a fan of that film. Definitely one of my least favorite films of the year. Uh, not nearly as much as I hated Ambulance, though, which was the next film. Ambulance is terrible. Not worth seeing at all. It was had so much shaky cam and I saw this in a in a big theater I think I saw this in either an IMAX or it was like the the poor man's IMAX as I, as I call it because I have a theater near me where they have it's called Big D terrible name for anything right especially for a movie format but it's essentially a ripoff of IMAX which is a big screen but it was terrible and and seeing all of the shaky cam the excessive shaky cam the shots that were done in the movie it was terrible and this is a movie that I really honestly wanted to love because Jake Gyllenhaal is in the film and I'm a big fan of Jake Gyllenhaal. He's another one of my favorite actors working today. And the movie was just awful. It was terrible. Father Stew was a film that came out, surprised me, uh, very much surprised by this, came out in April. Try to get some of that. It was, again, a film that was not made for Easter, but came out around Easter time to try and get some of the, you know, some of the Catholic Christian people to go see it. It really didn't uh, do 
it didn't do terribly, but it also didn't do all that well either. I thoroughly enjoyed it though. I thought that the the journey that you go on with this guy who who starts off very rough life and eventually becomes a priest and then starts dealing with you know different struggles. I think that it was very well done. So I actually really enjoyed that one. Uh, then we get to probably one of the most controversial reviews that I'll have because this is a film I know that a lot of people did like a lot. And that's the film called The Northman. So this is a movie that I gave three and a half stars to because I, I appreciate the film for what it was. But I believe that the director of the film, Robert Eggers, I just, I have never really liked his movies. They've always just been a little bit out of my grasp. They've always been a little bit too experimental, a little bit too, you know, being obscure for the sake of obscurity is at least how it always comes across to me. And even though I appreciated some of the things in the movie, I, I wasn't all that impressed by it. I, I wasn't all that impressed by it. So it's a movie I'd be willing to watch again. I think that I would be willing to, to give this another shot, maybe on the smaller, maybe on a smaller screen. It would actually uh, convey its story better to me. But ultimately, I, I wasn't all that uh, impressed by it. A film that I was impressed by, though, and one of my favorite films of this year, and early on, in fact, again, this was April of this year, I saw the film Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And this film just honestly surprised me because it was a multiverse film. It was coming out around the same time as another multiverse film, which was terrible. And you see that on my list, and you see the rating that I gave that film. But Everything, All at Once was just, it was fantastic. It was just, it was a nice fun story that definitely gets there as far as the weird. You know, people maybe said, well, you didn't like the Northman. You think that he's a little odd. Well, everything all at once has a lot of odd stuff in it too. But everything that was odd in everything ever all at once, to me, served the story and it did so in an effective way. So I thoroughly enjoyed that film. That was, again, one of the early films that really, you know, I think that that film will probably end up on my top five of the year list because as much as I like Father Student, as you can see, it has the same number of stars. I think I gave this film a higher grade, and if I didn't, I will tell you just right now that this movie definitely left an impact with me a lot more than Father Stu did, uh, just as far as the story was concerned, and it's a movie that I am definitely going to want to rewatch, though, just to really determine where it falls on my list. Uh, from there, I then saw The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, this one I gave three and a half stars to, and it's a movie that, as time has gone on, I've actually kind of appreciated it a bit more. So it is a movie that I do have uh, the 4K uh, Steelbook for. and uh, Or maybe it's just the 4K. No, it's the Steelbook. And it's just, again, it's it's a film about Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage. And it is done in such a way that I thought it was pretty effective. It was pretty entertaining. Um, I, I definitely think it has problems, though. And that's why my initial rating wasn't nearly as high. And I didn't you know give it that coveted like button. But it's a movie that I think I'm going to rewatch again, and uh, it might change, right? I might be able to update that uh, going forward. Uh, and then on this page, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness was the last film on this page that I saw in 2022, and that was a two and a half star movie. And yeah, I still stand by that. In fact, if anything, I would probably, you know, mark it down because it was so bloated. You know, speaking of bloated movies that do too much, Doctor Strange was right up there as far as, you know, stories that just did way too much and uh, tried to do way too much, and didn't do it effectively at all. And I always said in my box office coverage, everything all at once is the superior multiverse film. If you want to see a multiverse film done right and effectively, watch that one. Don't watch Doctor Strange, because it's a mess, and it fails on almost every level of its storytelling. And it continues Marvel's attempt to, you know, destroy their characters, specifically their characters that 
actually people genuinely enjoyed. I mean, if you ask most people, I would say what their thoughts are on the first Doctor Strange film, you probably hear most people say positive things about it. So the fact that they are continuing to just completely destroy the characters that they have left. And I mean, you look at Doctor Strange, you look at Thor Love and Thunder, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, in, a, in a bit. I'm going to go back to the chat and do a little bit of a break in the retrospect of 2022 since I'm taking a little bit longer on these. But again, I, I'm, I'm happy to give my, you know, my quick perspective on these films if people maybe missed my reviews of them. But yeah, Multiverse of Madness, I mean, Madness is definitely one thing. I, I thought that maybe having the director that they had would have been a bit, you know, would have been enough. You know, having Sam Raimi involved, I thought maybe, maybe there would be something there. But unfortunately, anything that Sam Raimi had to do with this film got completely, uh, you know, completely shut out by the typical Marvel tropes and the typical Marvel crap and garbage that they typically have. You know, it's just, it's awful. So anyway, uh, let me go ahead and switch back over into the full screen. And we'll, again, we'll, we'll, do, we'll go through the last page because it's just two pages of entries. Uh, but we'll go through the last page um, next. But I first, of course, want to go through because there's a lot more movies there, including films from a while ago, in fact, that I rewatched or watched for the first time. But let me head back into the chat. So in the chat, it's 709. So just know it's 709 in the chat. It's 737 in real life. So I am just about 30 minutes behind, which is about right for me. I typically fall 20 to 30 minutes behind. And so uh, if you tag me in the comment section, it's one of the things that I... Uh, I like to do here on the channel is is to give people a voice without having to have people go through the super chats or anything like that. Of course, if you want a super chat, if you want to donate via Streamlabs, which is the preferred way, because uh, YouTube ain't getting none of that, you can, of course, do that, but you don't have to. Let's see. Brian Barr says, Avatar 2 just keeps making money and money and money. Sorry, keeps making money, money, money. Is Avatar a European thing? Where does the film keep finding money? It's an international film. It's a, it's a movie that... The first film did incredibly well internationally, made well over a billion dollars. This film is on pace to make well over a billion, um, if not this weekend, then by next weekend, internationally alone. So I, I just, again, I, I think that it's it's definitely making money in China, but it's not nearly as as powerful as what we saw the first film do. And um, yeah, I, I don't I don't really quite understand it either. I, I think that the people going to watch this movie are, are people that are, are typically not going to the theater and they want to have spectacle, they want to have, and I've heard people try to use this as a defense of the film, to say, well, it's just pure escapism. Yeah, if you can turn your brain off to any sense of of, of sensible storytelling, then sure. And I'm not trying to mock anybody that enjoyed this movie, but I mean, it's it's just such, it's such a massive letdown in every aspect when it comes to the story and it's so bloated and so boring it's hard for me to understand why people enjoy the film and uh but yeah there's obviously a lot of people out there though who disagree who want to see this on the biggest screen because it's not that a lot of people are going to see this film it's that there are a lot of people willing to spend a lot of money on tickets to go see this film because no matter what this film ends up doing box office wise when you compare it to the first Avatar film, the one thing this movie will not get anywhere close to doing is the number of ticket sales because ticket prices are so much more expensive these days, which means that so many less people are actually going to the films and going to the movies and going to the theaters. That's why the box office for the year is still down. Even though this film is making all this money, if you look worldwide, box office is still uh, quite a ways away from, from recovering. 
Sherry Allen says, it's been a quiet new year uh, so far. Glad to hear that. Uh, the Morak had to say, hey, I wish you a blessed 2023. Really enjoy the content you shared with us this year. Hey, glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Lance Mollett had to say, thank you for being the rock star you are in 2022. We all look forward to your content in 2023. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. It really means a lot. General Winkster, Odin, how'd you get here? How did I get here? Why is the car parked on the lawn? Sounds like you were watching everything everywhere all at once. Simon Hunter, what's going on? Happy New Year to you. Thank you for being here. Soul Assassin, what is going on? Sherry Allen says, have a happy new year. All the best fortune and happiness of 2023. Thank you. You as well. Rob D says, 2022 was a win for low to mid budget movies. Black Phone, Elvis, Where the Crawdads Sing, Sonic 2, and a bust for big budget ones, Lightyear, Black Adam, Thor 4, Strange World. Yes, to some extent, because there are other films that ended up making a lot of money that were not good, right? I've been mentioning Avatar 2, but I can also mention another little film called Jurassic World, Dominion. That film crossed a billion dollars. So we, we, again, I think that it is to a certain extent, to a certain extent. Um, and also there were big budget films that also did well that were actually good. Uh, you know, they weren't very common, but the one that comes off the top of my head, of course, is, is Top Gun Maverick, which was phenomenal. Uh, Mika Lobana, what's going on, Mika? Welcome. Kimberly G is saying howdy to people. Uh, Bongo Tez says, I hear that Super Mario movie will make 1 billion and Pineapple Pizza will end up being your new favorite. Nah, just kidding. Um, well, again, do I think that there is a chance for, for the upcoming Super Mario film to make a billion dollars? Yes, I think that there's a chance that it's, that it can happen. You know, it's one of those things. Can it happen? Sure. Is it likely to happen? That's where I say no. I don't think the film will hit a billion dollars. If you look to just animated films the last year, last couple years, it's very uncommon for us to see a lot of those billion dollar, these days at least, these billion dollar animated films. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think a lot of these animated films, and you see this across the board, across various studios, have been usually films that people have been willing to wait for to be released on to streaming. So I think that that might be something that ends up hindering uh, the Mario film. I think that some people will look to it and say, all right, yeah, I might want to see that, but I might want to wait till streaming. Are people going to be willing to actually go to see that opening weekend or willing to go see that in theaters? You know, we'll have to wait and see. So do I think the film will make money? Yes. Do I think the film is going to cross a billion dollars worldwide? I just, I personally don't see it. I know that Jeremy is very convinced of that. He's been wrong on a lot of things. He thought Thor was going to make a billion dollars when I could have looked at that film and said, no, it's going to do better than people expect it, but it's, you know, it's not going to make it that far. Um, then again, I am not always right myself. Uh, the projections that I do on my charting, I, I would, again, I do stand by my charting because it's very rare that films either over or underperform uh, compared to the historical standards that most films fall into. Uh, again, two weeks, the first two weeks accounting for uh, 50 to 70% of its entire box office. That's how I, again, how, how I come up with my own projections, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, there's still a lot of time before that film actually comes out, and a lot of things can happen to the box office. A lot of things can happen in the world, you know, that could have a, a big impact, you know. Andrew Hayes, what's going on? Welcome. Thank you for tagging me. Uh, Laura says, oh, we celebrate East Coast New Year's and go to bed at 9 p.m. Hey, that sounds like the way to do it for sure. Great Wuda, what's going on? Says, hail and happy new year. And yes, last Tuesday I watched I Want to Dance with Somebody. You're one of the only ones that did, Great Wuda. Uh, Philip, 
says here, I thought your movie year review today was interesting. Tickets sold uh, seemed to spike over four year and then started to taper off. It's almost like the economy and disposable income are cynical. Yeah, it's almost as if when you enter into a recession and don't want to use that word, and when you have inflation and also don't want to use that word, as we've seen our own, you know, modern government and politics, you know, try to ignore the reality of what's going on and sensible ways of actually facing it. Yeah, it's almost as if, hey, if you don't put out films that people actually want to go see, they're not going to go see it. Case in point, why a film like Top Gun Maverick, which no one was expecting, myself included, to make it $1.5 billion, or almost $1.5 billion, ends up getting to almost $1.5 billion, you know? Let's see. Input Latency says, Hail and God bless peeps. Today's a good day. RIP Pope Bennett 16th. May his soul rest in peace. I don't know how to do that in Latin. It's okay. It's okay. Because, again, um, I, I go to Latin Mass, and I know some Latin, but I'm not a Latin expert by any means. Don't ask me to translate anything. Um, so, yeah, Absolutely. Let's see. Laura says, Brennan is playing an online English teacher, so the harpooning of the Moby Dick novel was funny on many levels. Ah, okay. Nice. I also appreciate your use of harpooning there. Jeremy Zakowski says, Happy New Year, Odin. I took my niece to see some American Bald Eagle today. They're in my area for the winter. Nice. Nice. I know that Rosetta Allen, by the way, happy belated birthday to Rosetta Allen. I know that uh, she is currently, uh, she travels during this time of the year uh, for family, but also uh, because of photography as well. So I know that she will probably know a lot about what you're talking about there. See, Soul Assassin says, what does it take to be made a saint in, rather, what does it take to be made into a saint by the church? Um, Good question, Soul Assassin. So, well, first off, we have to define what a saint is. Saint simply means someone who is in heaven. That's all that it means. So when the church declares someone a saint, what it means is that there's some supernatural evidence and we have uh, evidence from their life that the person was a good, holy person, and that there's also supernatural evidence to suggest that they are actually in heaven. Um, and again, uh, the way it usually happens is normally it requires someone to have two miracles attributed to them after their death, which is, again, a very hard process in general. Um, it has unfortunately become a little bit easier to be declared a saint in the modern church. Uh, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of methods and, and a lot of things that used to make it a lot more difficult for someone to be declared a saint that have been kind of rescinded over the last decade or two, which is why if you look to the history of the church, you'll notice that the last time that there was a, um, a Pope declared a saint, you look to, you know, the, the number of, 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 of piouses, right? The number of Johns, things like that. You'll recognize that there's a huge gap. And so a lot of that is being attributed to the fact that the process has become a lot more lax in today's world. So there's questions about, again, is the church at some point going to have to define, you know, you know whether or not, because right now the church has no definition of this, um, because the church holds to all that which has been defined in scripture, right? All that is a part of divine revelation and anything that the church has officially and solemnly declared as well to be infallible, Right. And so the church has not declared really anything as far as the infallibility. There, There is no, to my knowledge at least, there is no actual declaration of infallibility when it comes to canonizations, you know, as far as an official declaration. So um, there is obviously a level of infallibility because it is a proclamation coming from the church. 
it is dealing with faith and morals. And so there's a question about, you know, does that fit within the purview? But there really hasn't been anything said as far as the actual, you know, process itself. But I think that the church needs to, in a future ecumenical council, to come to an understanding of, okay, what is the legitimate way of discerning uh, someone, you know, to be declared a saint? And also, are there some uh, canonizations that could potentially, could there be some canonizations? I'm not saying there is, because again, the church has not defined this. Could there be canonizations that end up, you know, being rescinded? Who knows? Uh, let's see. Gus, Tad to say, Avatar Way of Water was a good popcorn flick, but holy cow, was the story rough. Jake was a trash protector. Ryan mentioned how this role reminded him of the Patriot, and I could not disagree more. Well, I mean, here's the thing, is you have so many different elements of the movie that just fall apart story-wise. I mean, you, you have this entire section of the film where they meet the water people that feels like it's just wasted. Like, you're just kind of... Like, the whole time I was looking at my watch saying, okay, are we, are we going to move past this? No. And then they show you the whole anti-whaling message, which seems so out of date because... There aren't a lot of pro-whalers in today's world. That doesn't seem like a modern issue that a lot of people are, you know, really jumping on as, as far as modern issues are concerned, right? So it, it seemed like an odd issue for him to, to jump onto in his story. But the, the process by which they capture these whale creatures and then extract the yellow goo that helps humans in some way, it just, it just seems so stupid and, and so convoluted. And that's not even touching upon the beginning of the film where they give you all of this, you know, this, this, this general introduction, right, as some films do, right? And there are so many contrivances made, right, of, oh, we brought this character back, and the way we were able to do that was because this happened off screen before the previous movie. And it was things like that, especially in the beginning, that immediately threw me off, because I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with this? And again, that's why I just can't understand how people are enjoying it. Because I understand, you know, visible spectacle. Top Gun Maverick had a visible spectacle. But guess what? It was actual practical effects, cameras in actual jets, actors experiencing actual G-forces because they're actually riding in those, right, as passengers in those jets. And it, it looked phenomenal. It looked great. And the story of, of Top Gun Maverick is not revolutionary. The, the story of Top Gun Maverick is derivative of other stories, including the first Top Gun film itself. And yet it did it in such a way that it was effective. You had fun along the ride and you have that same type of popcorn mentality, right? You Again, when I think about popcorn flick, I think about Top Gun Maverick. When I look at Avatar, I think bloated, waste of money, waste of time mess because James Cameron is being given a billion dollars plus to make whatever he wants and, and spin whatever stupid narrative he wants as well. And again, I said this on Friday Night Tights, and I will say it again here. The only place that Avatar 2 has a place at is playing in an empty Best Buy on a 4K television to show you what a 4K TV can do, to show you how good visual effects can be when they're CGI'd. That, that's about the only thing that it, it has of, of actual value. Because everything else, it's like, okay, it's going to be forgettable. People who say it's a spectacle, are you going to buy it on Blu-ray? Are you going to buy it on 4K? Are you going to have the same experience on a smaller screen? Or is this a film that you can only enjoy in theaters one time? And if that's the case, then I'm sorry, that's, that's not what makes a movie a good movie. Simon Hunter, time to say, just New Year in the UK. Best wishes to you. Hey, happy New Year again to those in the UK and beyond. Dan Blackroy, time to say, we know the truth. Odin lives for Morbin time. Of course. 
So now we're getting into the comments at 723. This is when I was going through my list, uh, the first page of my movies that I saw in 2022. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Hayes had to say, do you think Pope Benedict will uh, have a biopic made of him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, any you know, most popes, especially modern popes, do. Uh, I think the question that some people are asking is, will he be canonized? I, again, would not be surprised if if that process tries to, you know, if they try to start that process early on. Um, I don't think they should. I really don't think they should. Um, but again, it's not because I'm making any type of judgment on him. It's just that I think that, the again, the process of canonization these days, I think, has become a bit of a problem. All right, Voyager 47, it's just uh, at OMB Reviews, so letterbox.com slash OMB Reviews should be how you can get there. Oscar Harley tried to say, this is a shocker. I didn't care much for the Batman either. That is quite a uh, shocker there. Again, I do fall 30 minutes behind, so no need to tag me more than once in a message. Rob D says, my biggest problem with the Batman was that it was Seven pretending to be a Batman movie. That's a fair point. Seven, obviously, is a far superior movie for sure. Brian Barr says, Paul Dano did well against Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. Yes, he did. Alex McCarthy says, Batman Forever is better than the Batman because boiling acid. Oh, God, it's boiling acid. Yes, that one line, that one sequence in Batman Forever alone is much more enjoyable than the entirety of, of the Batman film. There, there, there is just, there's no doubt in my mind about that whatsoever. Totally, totally agree with that assessment. Not to mention, um, all of the ice puns in Batman and Robin Far more entertaining. Andrew Hayes says, I can see where you're coming from on the Batman. I liked it for the slow burn and atmosphere qualities of it. Yeah, I, I like a slow burn too, but it's got to actually deliver. When the slow burn instead gives you, hey guys, thank you for supporting me. I'm, you know, symbolic of some type of alt-right personality on one of these, you know, uh, off the beaten path social media networks. It, it just, again, if a slow burn leads to a good destination, it's worth it. When it leads you to that, it's just, it's hard to say, oh, you know, other than, oh, that's terrible. Uh, Sage Brokaseka, what's going on? He's a member on the channel saying slightly off topic. What's the one move top three, five, whatever you're looking forward to most in 23 just got here. So if you answered already, sorry, happy new year, brother. I have not gotten to that point yet. So um, again, I'm, I'm not going to do what I'm looking forward to in 2023 yet because there's nothing in January because January is the place where films go to die. So there's nothing coming out new in January that I'm looking forward to. So I'll have some time to look forward to that. Plus, I got to get things ready for the Raven Awards, etc. Uh, and absolutely, absolutely, Sage says, and Requiem Eternum to His Holiness. Amen. South Eastern Kaiju, who is a member on the channel, hail to you. Thank you very much for being here. Dan Crane, who is a member, says, Hail Odin, family of Odin. Happy New Year, and God bless you and your family. Thank you. Appreciate that a lot. Let's see. Uh, Victor Fontaine, what's going on? Welcome. Ambrose, what's going on? Ambrose says that he liked madness. Oh, how dare you? Brian Barr says, Sam Raimi was put on a leash for Doctor Strange. Oh, I mean, at the very least, that's the best thing you could say. Dan Blackroy says, can we call page one Ellen and page two Elliot? Just a thought. Um, well, here's the thing. We can call her Elliot if that is what she's legally changed her name to. But at the end of the day, no matter what she does, she cannot change her biological, uh, her, her biological, the biological fact, right? The biological reality that she is a woman. 
She can legally change her name, though. So I, I will call her Elliot because if that's her legal name, okay. But I, you know, the whole pronoun garbage is, is ridiculous, is made up. Brian Barr says, I think people here very underestimated the international box office for Avatar 2. Um, I think that, uh, so I think, here's the thing. I said that the only, I said specifically on this channel, do not underestimate the international box office because I think that that, I even was saying after the first two weeks that I think that the international box office is going to be over a billion dollars. But the domestic is what's surprising me. That, that's what's going beyond what my own projections are, are counting for, um, is that the film is doing much better domestically. The big question is, will it hold next weekend when people are finally back at school, back at work? Will it do well in a non-holiday frame, or will it just drop off like a light? Master, uh, Master of Gaming says, Medieval is the only independent film you saw this year alongside everything, everywhere, all at once. Is it really the only film, the only independent film? I don't know about that. J-Roar, uh, thanks for the hard work you gave to us in 2022. Thank you. Uh, Angela, Gwendolyn, what's going on, Angela? Says, uh, Odin in chat, Happy New Year from Great Britain. Hey, Happy New Year. Sage Rukasaya says, and spiritual pro, and also a spiritual pro tip for Catholics, recite uh, the te, uh, te Deum today, Veni Creator tomorrow for a plenary indulgence both days. I believe you have to actually say the Te Deum at a church, though, um, at a parish church today, um, and then, of course, the Veni Creator tomorrow in order to be able to have eligibility for the plenary indulgence. So um, I don't think it's just to say it anywhere. I think you have to be at an actual church. And unfortunately, I was not able to do that today. John Evan Bear says, Happy New Year and Merry Christmas to you. I just watched Terminator 2 Judgment Day to close out the year. That's a great way to close out the year. That is fantastic. Uh, Dana, what's going on? Thank you for being here in the chat today. All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does. Let me see if anything's happening over on Rumble. Still not yet, but some people watching. So thank you for watching on Rumble. Smash the Rumble button. And uh, if you're on Odyssey, smash the fire button. Light up that fire button as well. And uh, anyway, we'll get back to my list of films that I watched in 2022. And then I'll, I'll jump back into the chat. Because it's 7.58 in real life. I'm at 7.45 in the chat. So... Let's go through the last page of the films that I watched this year. Now you'll see some films that were not released in 2022, but I saw them. Uh, so My Neighbor Totoro is a great anime film. If you've never seen it, it's fantastic from 1988. Um, phenomenal. Seriously, if you have not seen it yet, please watch it. This was a rewatch for me. I love the movie. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 1. Uh, this was a rewatch as well. I, I watched this with uh, with my wife, actually. We, we rewatched the Amazing Spider-Man films. Um, and this was all to prepare her for watching Spider-Man No Way Home because I didn't think that she'd be able to appreciate the jokes in the film with Andrew Garfield's character especially and uh, if she had not seen these movies. And I, I, I didn't think that she had seen Amazing Spider-Man 2 and it had been a very long time since she had seen Amazing Spider-Man 1. So these were films that I think they've aged a little bit better than I thought they would at the time, but they're still not great movies. So the first film, three stars, second film, two and a half stars. So that's why I rewatched those films this year. Also rewatched uh, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith as well. Um, and that one is just, again, I know that people love this movie, but the, the dialogue in all of the prequels is so terrible. And so I, 
objectively cannot give the film higher than, than two and a half stars. Uh, Top Gun Maverick was then the next film I watched. So this was the, the film in 2022 that I watched. And this, I think, will probably be my number one film of the year. It was just that darn good. Top Gun Maverick, four and a half stars here. And it honestly was everything that a film should be. It was a spectacle, as people have been saying about Avatar 2. But it did its story, which was simple, effectively. That's not what Avatar 2 was able to do. Top Gun Maverick was able to do it. Avatar was not. So Top Gun Maverick, again, nothing is revolutionary about the story. There is definitely some, uh, you know, it's derivative of, you know, the previous movie. But it basically does so by paying homage to the original and then taking it to the next level. And it does that effectively with beautiful aerial shots. Cinematography on the film is fantastic. The direction is fantastic. The use of, 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 of Tom Cruise, it's some of the best acting that he's done, actually. Especially in the scenes with the scene with him and Iceman, the scene with him and Val Kilmer is still fantastic. I saw this film a second time at home, and the film still holds up too. That's the other thing, another reason as to why I love this movie because it's not a movie that you have to see on the big screen to enjoy. My wife was getting nervous just watching this on our regular TV. So the fact that it still had that effect, right, when you're going through the valleys and everything, right, when you're feeling the experience of actually being in the jets, the fact that it still was able to replicate that sense of, of danger and that, that sense of anxiety shows you how effective of a film that it actually is. So Maverick, to me, is, is probably the best film of, of the year, if not the best, then, then one of the top two at the very least. Uh, I then saw a terrible movie called Moonfall, which came out on streaming, uh, or at least I, th I think I saw it at streaming. This was a box office flop, and uh, it was terrible. I gave it two stars. It's it's very forgettable, and I've already forgotten it. Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, another terrible film, gave it two stars. Dear Lord, please stop making these Fantastic Beasts film. Not only do you have the controversy with them canceling Johnny Depp for, again, silly reasons, I, I, the court obviously uh, was able to show that they were completely fabricated, um, at least, again, according to the court case itself. But, I mean, even though I, I do, you know, Mads Mikkelsen, who stepped into the role of Grindelwald, I, I again, like him as an actor. The, the movie's just terrible. And to me, the film exists for one reason and one for one, one reason only. It's to show you and to tell you officially that Dumbledore is gay. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the whole movie itself, that's really, the, the, the film's title is called The Secrets of Dumbledore. It's like, okay, there's only one big secret, really, that's not so secret, and it becomes kind of the crux of the film. It's terrible. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion Fallen Kingdom. I uh, This is a film I, I watched before Dominion came out because I didn't even remember watching this movie. That's how bad it was. And sure enough, you know, the, the 2018 Fallen Kingdom was terrible. Uh, I then saw a great film. Uh, a documentary actually made it onto, uh, will probably end up making it onto my top five list of the year. Uh, I saw the documentary from the Daily Wire called What is a Woman? One of the most controversial films of the year uh, because the media obviously didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to cover it. But man, oh man, if you want to talk about effective documentaries, and I, I said this back in my review of the film, probably the most important documentary of 2022 and probably of the last decade. And I'm not trying to oversell it. I honestly think that the fact that we can't even say without you know, the, the the possibility of being canceled, the fact that we can't even say biological fact without causing controversy itself is is honestly ridiculous. 
And this film really showcases that in, in a very effective way. Is it biased? Sure. But does it make its point effectively and objectively? I would say yes. So again, it definitely has a bias to it. There's no doubt about that. And I know that I obviously have a subjective bias towards towards what the film is saying, but it does so in such a way where they let the people who buy into the nonsense that this film is fighting against, they let them speak. They, they don't just take quick little one-liners out. They let them speak and explain, and they put themselves into these traps. And, and I mean, the questions that are being asked are very fair questions. And it's amazing to see how some of these people freak out just because Matt Walsh asked them a straightforward question, in, including the question of the film, right? What is a woman? It's, again, a phenomenal documentary. Highly recommend it. Uh, then saw a film from 2016 called Love and Friendship. I saw this with the wife for date night. And it's just, it's a very nice movie. Um, it, it's, again, is is it an amazing film that I'm going to rewatch a thousand times over? No, but it, it's a well-done film. So if you like period pieces especially, um, Kate, uh, Kate Beckett sales in the film, then I, I would recommend the film. Uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, yeah, again, I really didn't like it. I liked it better than Fallen Kingdom. Not everyone has that opinion, I know. Um, and I remember when I said that at the time, people disagreed with me. But uh, yeah, Jurassic World Dominion, two and a half stars, terrible. Uh, Terror on the Prairie, another film from the Daily Wire. This film, again, I, I like it, but I'm going to be honest with it, right? It's it's definitely not the best film. It's not the best uh, Western. It, it has some issues. Uh, the story especially, right? You know, I've said this already of other films, right? Very derivative of other films that I think do it better. But for this to be a movie coming from a place like The Daily Wire, which by proxy makes it an independent movie, um, it, it did it did it in a very effective way. I think Gina Carano did a fantastic job with the film. I thought some of the other actors in the film, uh, supporting actors in the film, also did a great job too. And it was a film I genuinely liked, but it was a three and a half star movie, so it was pretty good. Uh, Spiderhead, a film on Netflix with a very interesting premise, and I think that's the reason why I gave it three stars, because everything else about the film is, again, I've already forgotten it, but it's definitely, it's a bit better than some of the other films on the on the list that you have the two and a half stars with. Uh, a film from 2021 I finally watched this year was Old Henry. Uh, people have been telling me to watch that film. Great movie. Four stars. The outfit was from this year. Thank you to Laura, the modern major general, for sending that film my way. She gave a huge recommendation for it and ended up watching it. And it's 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 great. It's a great little film. Um, just the opening of the movie itself, having um, Mark Rylance, who's the star of this movie. And man, Mark Rylance is just such a gifted actor. And he obviously is very much a typecast personality. He, he plays the quiet, more you know, the more quiet roles in films, but he's so effective at it. He's so good at it. Um, and this film, again, having him just do the voiceover of how to make a suit was great. It was it was just so great to be able to uh, to to have again this this just so peaceful. It's some one of those things that you feel like you could listen to over and over again. Like you know what, this is just so calming to listen to him. You know, you obviously have someone else on screen who's actually, you know, doing the stitching and everything like that, right? An actual professional doing it. But just to hear him explain in his own voice, right, uh, the process of making a suit was, was was actually very compelling. So I actually thoroughly enjoyed this film. We'll probably end up in my top movies of the year, at the very least, as an honorable mention. Uh, saw a documentary from 2020 called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words. I, I watched this in the midst of the decision uh, to overturn... Uh, 
Dobbs, you know, rather the, the decision of Dobbs v. Jackson, which overturned not only plant, you know, not only Roe v. Wade, which everyone's obsessed with, but people often forget about Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which was actually the closer case that this film would have uh, that this uh, that the case actually was more so dealing with. Um, but Clarence Thomas, man, his story is just really, really interesting. Uh, so if you've not seen that one and you like documentaries, um, it's really awesome to hear in his own words how he grew up, you know, what impacted him and what led him to be the person that he is. And then it also goes into the process by which he was confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. And oh my goodness, the, the just the insanity of what he had to go through was awful. Uh, I've seen Star Wars actually several times. I've seen the entire original trilogy several times because Baby Thor loves these movies. And so all of them are fantastic. So that's why that one's on there. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder, two and a half stars. I'm probably being very generous with that half star. Um, probably will end up adjusting that down too because the movie is just forgettable, lazy. And uh, the fact that even people like Jeremy Johns put this on his worst films of the year list, um, I think says a lot about how this film crossed the line of, of comedy. You know, it, it went a little bit too far and so much so that even regular people started to say, okay, Taika, I think that you probably need to step back a little bit. Uh, saw the film Nope from... Uh, is it? I don't want to say Jordan Peele, right? Yes, Jordan Peele. Um, and it's the third film from Jordan Peele. And his other films, I've always appreciated them because I think that they're competently made movies. This is a film that I actually enjoyed less than his other movies. And this one is a movie that I think is actually for more people because it has some of the least amount of, uh, uh, you know, he does the race baiting in his movies, right? If you saw Get Out, if you saw especially Us. There's so much of that in those movies, whereas this one doesn't have it really at all. And it's, it's again, I think, therefore, one of the more accessible movies in that way, where it's not just being made for one audience. But, oh, man, the reveal of the monster is just really bad. And the design of the monster and how the monster itself is presented is just not good. Not good at all. So not a good film. Uh, but hey, it barely made its money back at the box office. Uh, the Gray Man for 2022 gave this one three and a half stars. This was a film that was a Netflix release. And I actually thought it had some potential. It, it ended up being a, a bit of a bust. So it wasn't very good. I uh, saw this, uh, the film Persuasion. Uh, this was a, another one of these uh, period pieces from 2022. I saw this one with the wife as well. Three and a half stars. Again, forgettable. But it was, again, it was fine. It was okay. Uh, Bullet Train, this one, as you all know, uh, if you've watched my channel for at least even the last couple of months, you know, I am a big fan of this movie. Uh, I've been trying to buy as many copies of the film to give away because it's a film I think that people should see. It's just hilarious. It's so well done. It's a great comedy. And it's, again, one of my favorite films of the year. And it, again, Thomas, a train engine comes up in the film in such a amazing way. Great cast, great supporting cast. And again, this is what comedy should be. If you want to have escapism comedies, this is the way to do it. It's People have been saying very positive things about the film Violent Night, which I'll get into in a bit, but this is a film where it is very much self-aware. It is very much aware of how ridiculous its concept is, but it, it owns it and is very honest about it. So it doesn't try to hide away from it, and it does so in a very effective way. Uh, saw the movie Prey, which is the prequel to predator and yeah it was not the trash fire that it was 
I think a lot of us were expecting it to be, but it was not a good movie. So I gave that one three stars. Rewatch Your Name, which is a phenomenal anime. Uh, this is, uh, again, four and a half star movie. One of my favorite films of the last decade, for sure. Beautiful, beautiful anime if you've never seen it. Uh, unfortunately, saw probably one of the worst movies of the year. 13 the Musical. So I saw 13 the Musical on Broadway when I was living in New York. Ariana Grande, you know, the major pop star today, she got her start on Broadway. So I actually saw her when she was in this production of 13. And it's actually a really interesting musical about turning 13, about being a teenager, being in middle school. And they, of course, took this and on Disney Plus, I believe, uh, made this into a musical and or rather made this into a movie musical. And oh, my goodness, is it awful, awful. Do not waste your time with it. If you like musicals as well, it's terrible. I uh, saw the 2022 film Samaritan. This is a movie that I know a lot of people actually were hyping up quite a bit. I gave this one three and a half stars, and I still stand by that because honestly, this film is 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 quite forgettable. I mean, yeah, you've got Stallone in the movie, and there's an interesting premise, but I've already forgotten this movie. So, uh, Samaritan. Three and a half stars for that movie. Uh, 13 Lives. This is uh, a movie that no one is talking about. I don't think anyone has seen this movie. And yet, it's a it's a Ron Howard movie. And honestly, it's one of my favorite movies this year. I mean, it, it deals with the story. Uh, I forget exactly where it's set. But it deals with uh, the story of uh, basically a cave-in, a soccer team being trapped inside a cave system because uh, these flash... This the storm basically comes out of nowhere very quickly floods the caves to the point where they can't escape and, and they end up being uh, trapped in here for for a, a very, very long period of time. And so these expert divers have to come in. And this film features Viggo Mortensen in a fantastic role and some other pretty good actors too. And this movie just stuck with me because as I was watching it, I was just like, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen because I did not, um, I really did not know much about the true story about this movie. And I think it's actually better to go in without that knowledge, because you're like, oh man, I didn't know how much was needed for this actual, you know, this 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 attempted rescue, rescue was was really needed, um, you know, what it needed to go through. It was phenomenal. So if you've never seen 13 Lives, it's actually a film I would highly, highly recommend. Uh, Saw Jackass Forever, it was terrible. I mean, and this is something for someone that's actually enjoyed some of the previous iterations. This one, it just didn't have the same fun as the other ones did i didn't like it uh black phone one of the few thrillers that i saw this year four out of five stars for me um all right sorry this film actually came out in 2021 i thought this was a 2022 film could have sworn it was 2022 maybe it was initially supposed to be released maybe it got it got it wrong but black phone was phenomenal regardless of when it came out and will probably end up being on my list of best films of the year as well or at least an honorable mention a uh, phenomenal thriller very well done um Great cast. Uh, Black Adam, terrible movie. Two and a half stars. People can try to, you know, you could try to talk it up until you're blue in the face. You can talk about how amazing the performance in the film, uh, uh, the supporting cast in the movie gives, uh, specifically the performance given by uh, Pierce Brosnan, who's great in the movie, but that's all it has. It has Pierce Brosnan, and then it has The Rock being The Rock, and everything else. It's very, very forgettable, and I'm not surprised that this got you know, kind of canceled uh, for <laughs> without any hope of a future. And it ended up being a box office flop. So uh, Roadhouse, finally saw Roadhouse for the first time this year. Yes, you you saw that, you see that correctly. A 1989 film, saw that this year. Three and a half stars. It was actually a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Really, really fun movie. 
Uh, greatest lie ever sold, George Floyd, The Rise of BLM. This is another documentary from uh, Daily Wire. Uh, really solid documentary. Very well done. Not as well done as What is a Woman, though. Um, and again, just is what it is. Uh, Medieval was an independent film that I saw this year. Two and a half stars. Again, a movie that it had all the potential in the world and it didn't live up to any of it. Uh, it had Ben Foster in a leading role with, I don't know what the accent he was doing. It sounded like an American accent almost and it made no sense. You then also had, uh, you had some other people as well in the sporting cast that should have brought a much higher level. I think Matthew Good is in the movie as well. If my memory serves me correctly. Um, and it's just not good. It's just so underwhelming in so many different ways. Uh, saw the film Barbarian. I don't know why I have it logged here twice, but this was also a very solid uh, horror film. Um, I, I don't like horror films in general, so this is not a movie that I probably will ever rewatch, but <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and it is definitely a film that I appreciate for what it is, though. I, I, I very much appreciate what it is as a horror film. Uh, you'll see that the Banshee of Nishirin is on here. Uh, with a three and a half star rating, but that changed with the second time I saw it. This the first time I saw it. I saw it a late night showing, which I shouldn't have done because it's a slower movie. I fell asleep, but it was good enough what I saw when I was awake, where I wanted to rewatch it, rewatched it, and was blown away. Uh, so I'll get to that in a second. But three and a half stars for see how they run. Was able to get to see that. Got a early access copy, or got a digital copy of that film. It was actually pretty, you know, well done. Uh, a bit on the nose, which is why it wasn't one of my favorite films of the year, but still a, a fun comedy. Three and a half stars. Uh, Black Cat, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, complete trash fire. Two star. Uh, weird Al Yank, weird the Al Yankovic story. Four out of five stars for me. The only bad thing about this movie is that you have to watch it on a Roku. That's so stupid, so stupid to me. Uh, but the film is completely a. Uh, it is a great commentary on the live-action biopic films, and I, I think that it does a great job of just tearing those apart. So films like Rocket Man, films like Bohemian Rhapsody, it does such a good job of just uh, of mocking them in, in such an effective way. And I think the best example of that is the fact that you have Daniel Radcliffe cast <laughs> to be Weird Al Yankovic. Um, so it had a lot of fun with it, uh, and I thought it was really good. Smile, a horror film that I thought was very effective. It's very simplistic. It is definitely not, you're not, you know, reinventing the wheel here when it comes to horror films. But as someone that hates horror films, I thought it was very effective. So I gave this one four out of five stars. Uh, Ticket to Paradise, two and a half stars. A very generic film. Basically, it's like Julia Roberts and George Clooney were like, hey, we get to be in a movie that lets us go on vacation. Hey, let's go. That's all there is to it. Uh, and Eastern, as you can see, four and a half stars is what I gave it when I finally watched it again. Phenomenal movie. One of my favorite films of the year for sure. Um, once again, you have a, a great movie given to us by Martin McDonough. Uh, I was able to pick this up on physical media just uh, the other day. I have some copies to give away in the future. Um, but yeah, Martin McDonough, who's done three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, uh, brings back again, Brendan, Gle uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, who were also together with another one of his films, his first feature length film in Bruges, which was phenomenal as well. Um, the great thing is, is that this is, I think, a nice compliment to In Bruges because where In Bruges is a dark comedy with serious elements, this is a dark drama with comedic elements. So it's not a dark comedy. And some people, and I think they, they themselves were labeling it as a dark comedy. I don't think this really is in the same boat as In Bruges um, because it's not as funny but there are funny moments in the movie and the rest of it is just a really well done drama featuring great actors. So highly recommend that movie. Um, one of my favorites of the year. Uh, Avatar Way of Water, two stars, terrible garbage. Again, oh, the, the images on screen look so pretty. 
Woman King. Yes, I saw the Woman King, everybody. I saw it. And oh man, even though I think that one could say the choreography in the film on the moments where there's dancing and stuff, well done. Production design, costume design, okay. I'll give some I'll give some points there. That's why it's not a one-star movie. The story itself, though, it's so clearly biased uh, to try to rewrite history that it, it just it, I it's just a terrible movie. The Menu, on the other hand, fantastic film, great thriller, great drama thriller, especially. Uh, Ray Fiennes gives a fantastic performance. Anya, uh, uh, sorry, Anya, Anya Taylor Joy gives another phenomenal performance in the film uh, as well. Nicholas Holt is in the film, gives a great uh, supporting performance. Four out of five stars for me. The Menu is fantastic. If you've not seen it, highly, highly recommend it. Violent Night, terrible movie. It's it's so self-aware to the point of it just it's annoying, right? It's one of those films where it's like, oh, look how clever we are. We're just, you know, we're so self-aware and we're going to make jokes that are so self-aware, right? It's annoying in in that in that way. It's not fun. I don't know why people are, are really enjoying that movie. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Beautiful. Stop motion animation that took them a good year or so. Like uh, the amount of or several years, maybe. The, they gave you the amount of days it took them to film the movie because it's all stop motion. Oh my goodness. Beautiful animation because it's being stop motion. Beautiful cinematography, right? By being able to capture that. Uh, the score is fantastic as well. It's the darker st- tale. It's not the Disney-fied version of the story. And uh, one of the things that I thought was really appreciated by me, at least, was they talk about a little bit about the fact that uh, Geppetto was, you know, not just a a master craftsman, but also someone that was a member of the Catholic Church. So I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, look, they actually have a Latin mass going on here in the background. This is interesting. Um, But the film itself is actually very, very well done. And I think if you are a fan at all of Guillermo Guillermo del Toro, if you're a fan of the classical story of Pinocchio, or if you've never known, or because for me, it was all new. I had never read the original story before. So I was like, oh, I never knew a lot of this stuff. And oh, man, I think Disney really kind of went off the boat a bit by ignoring some of these other things. One of my favorite voice actors in the film, though, is Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz's character in the film is the, they did the perfect casting for the voice of that character. Uh, finally saw also Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery on Netflix. Oh, man. <sighs> Speaking of people that are self-aware, so Ryan Johnson wrote and directed this movie, just like the first one, and just like the first one, it features so many lines and so many story elements that you're just like, okay, I can see that you're very clearly trying to, it's, he always says, I make these movies for myself, and you can always tell, <laughs> you can always tell he's making the movies for himself, because he's not making them for other people, I would say. And this is another great example of him very much being self-centered in his writing process. Uh, Amsterdam, massive flop, terrible movie, uh, uh, but really great actors. I was compelled by the actual characters. I was like, oh, these characters are interesting. But David O. Russell, what happened to you? You used to be able to produce really good stories like The Fighter, like Silver Lang's Playbook. That was actually one of my favorite movies of the year that that, that, that film came out back in, what, 2012? And then ever since then, he's just done terrible. And this is yet another example of him just bringing a lot of big name actors in and expecting that to to sell a movie, and it's not doing it. And sure enough, it didn't. It ended up, again, being a a massive box office flop. And again, it ended up kind of losing its relevancy as a story as well. Again, the two and a half stars because the performances were actually pretty good. There were some characters that I thought were very well, you know, 
you know, designed and, and well-established, but the story itself just kind of falls apart. And then also Elvis, uh, the last film that I have here uh, in 2022 that I finally saw, as you see on the 30th, this is one I watched on the way back from, from Virginia, two and a half stars. I, I appreciate the performance Austin Butler gives. He gives a phenomenal performance in this movie, but uh, it just, everything else about the film is just, as you all know, from the trailer of this movie being released with the little children from from Tom Hanks, you know, I, I was not at all a fan of that. But hey, Austin Butler gives a great performance. And I think that that is definitely something worth commending. That's the only reason why it has two and a half stars. So anyway, those are the films that I watched this year. Uh, I spent way more time on that than I thought I would. So we'll probably go a little bit longer tonight since the wife is still out. Master of Gaming, though, at 746. So now getting closer to an hour behind instead. Uh, but again, I'm at 746 in the chat. Uh, before reading it, though, uh, Reed, thank you very much for the $20 donation via Streamlabs. Thank you so much. Says, I always love how you talk about what the film is about as well as its structure. This is how reviews used to be done. Well, thank you, Reed. I appreciate uh, your comment there. And thank you very much for the very generous donation as well. Thank you. Appreciate that. Also, Dan Crane, thank you for being a member for eight months in a row on the channel. So shout out to y'all. Thank y'all. Um, so let's get back to that comment uh, here from Master of Gaming. Uh, I'm going to watch Puss in Boots, uh, The Last Witch. I heard it's amazing. I heard amazing things about it. Yeah. I've also heard the animation style for the action sequences is just like the animation style in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I hated that the most about Spider-Verse, so I have no interest in watching it for that reason. Jess Pena, did you ever watch Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul yet, or The Infiltrator? No, I have not seen those yet. Jake Sully, yep. Count 3000, what's going on? Welcome. Thank you very much for being here. Jordan Winkster says, oh, I disagree. Stephen Lang was the key to all of Avatar 2's success. Ah, of course. John, John Evan Bear, to say, uh, the way of water, when Jake realizes that he shouldn't run away from a fight, I laughed because I was thinking the same thing two and a half hours earlier. Yeah. Like that whole process of basically them deciding to stand up. It's like, oh, so the entire reason why this story is even happening because you've left the tribe that you became head of, by the way, it's like, oh, he became head of the tribe, even though he's not a real, not okay. Yeah, sure. Pl again, plot contrivance, uh, stupidity. Uh, but yeah, it's like, oh, had he just done that earlier? Stupid. Uh, Gus, to my defense, my wife wanted to go on a date and that was the only one she greenlit. I was all for waiting for it to come to streaming. Hey, no problem at all. Uh, Gus, thank you for being here. Physics Channel with Kenny Lee, what's going on? Uh, I hope you have. A, I hope you are continuing to have a great Christmas, Physics Channel with Kenny Lee, because guess what? Uh, Christmas is still going on. All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does. So let's see. Uh, Andrew Hiller says, JP2 dies the vigil of Divine Mercy Sunday, Benedict 16th, the vigil of Mary, the mother of God. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're going by that uh, calendar, I, I, I go by the traditional calendar. Uh, so in the traditional calendar, it is the... Uh, we are on the first, we have the commemoration of St. Sylvester the first, who is a Pope. And then also it's the first Vespers for the octave day of Christmas. So octave day of Christmas was the, again, bigger feast there. So when I go to mass tomorrow, it'll be for that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously Mary mother of God is a very important feast that I obviously think is, is again, I have, I don't talk about, I don't think the new mass or new calendar is, you know, illegitimate in any way. But I, I definitely do prefer the old mass, the old calendar. 
Um, but yeah, there's a lot of symbolism uh, at the very least. Uh, Matt Vader, what's going on, brother? Matt Vader says, Halo, and thanks for being a great friend to us this year. Looking forward to 2023. Absolutely. Check out the Salty Nerd podcast. It was so much fun being a part of those Saturday morning streams, and I, I can't wait to, to be able to come back next year for it. Uh, if I'm invited, of course. Uh, Steven tags say, Happy New Year's, brother. Last stream you stated you didn't like Violent Night. Will you release a review as to why? Didn't think it was bad, but not great. Yeah, so I think I talked a little bit about it tonight, but I will definitely, uh, I, I think I probably will do a review. There's a lot, as you saw, there's a lot of films that I have not done reviews on that I, I probably will end up doing reviews on. Steven says, based on the box office, I do believe it's a go for the remaining Avatar sequel, sadly. Uh, agreed. I, I think that um, there is no denying that the film is making a ton of money. I think... Again, I think $2 billion is absolutely within reach for that movie. So, again, I can speak about the film's numbers objectively, even though I, I hated it. Uh, yeah, Ghibli stuff is fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. John Evan Bear tagged to say, I agree about my neighbor Totoro. Fantastic. Uh, Gary Banjo Sandwich says, one Totoro. Yes, they slept on this classic on a, on, uh, they slept on this classic on the giveaway. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They did. That was a part of a, a giveaway in the past, and uh, people people weren't went wanting it. And it was I was like, "Why are you sleeping on this? It's a fantastic film." Hugo M, what's going on? Happy New Year to you, Mr. Roy. What's going on? Welcome, uh, General Grievous nineteen. Rest in peace, Pope Benedict sixteenth. Absolutely, and we'll talk about that at the very end of the stream. Uh, Rob D, I think Fantastic Beast is gonna die with Secrets of Dumbledore. I remember reading Fantastic Beast was envisioned as a five-film series, but the third the third film would de uh, determine if it actually happens. Yeah, and the box office just has continued to just go lower and lower and lower. And I, I forget if the film was a flop or not officially, but it definitely was not. Uh, it was definitely not one of the better performing films of this year. Let me let me go back to my box office tracking. And let me see if I can even find it. I need to go to my to my alternative list here. Let's see. Yeah, Fantastic Beast. Yeah, the film ended up being a box office flop. It was a it lost around fifty nine million dollars of the box office. So at least over fifty million dollars of a box office loss. Uh, and it really was. Warner Brothers had a terrible year this year. So last year I did what's the worst performing studio of the year, and I'll do that again. But obviously with Films like, uh, especially with films like Avatar Still Out, that's going to have a huge impact on the financial side of, of Disney's box office year. Uh, a Goat, tad to say, uh, Benedict was easily the most impressive Pope of the last century. Sad that he stepped down, allowing Comrade Francis to rise to the position. Yeah, obviously, I, I agree. I think Benedict XVI stepping down was, was not a good decision. Um, and, you know, it's obviously not my place to judge him. Um, and with this being the day we're still 24 hours removed from, from his death, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be a time for us to really go into those details, um, a bit more, but yeah, at this point, uh, I'm not at that point yet. Uh, Padre, what's going on? He says, uh, he says, good to have you back. So many things in one weekend, octave day, solemnity of Mary, mother of God, Sabbath day, still Christmas, new year's and Pope Emeritus passed. Oh, yeah. So many things happen. Uh, Bullet Train was really enjoyable, says Physics Channel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I would say it is a love story, for sure. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Jacob Ironside, time to say Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Again, if you have a comment or question, just put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin lets me know that you're trying to get my attention. But please do not abuse it or spam it. 
Let's see. Coliseum says, sci-fi, indulgent director, overly long, slow-paced, pretty images on screen. Are we talking Avatar or Dune? Hey, again, I was I, I, I thought Dune was much better of a movie. It was a much better and much, I would say, a much more well-made film. In fact, I appreciate the visual effects of Dune so much better than, than Avatar. Because here's the thing. When your entire film is effects, it's, it's a lot harder to justify. Whereas in a film like Dune, where you have very impressive looking CGI effects used very limitedly and they're done effectively. I think that that is again, a reason why I prefer the visual effects of a film like that over a film like Avatar, even though you could argue that the effects of Avatar two are, are better, you know, at some objective level even, but I go by not just what the effects are, but their use case, how they're being used and are they being used effectively or are they being overused? Um, so, uh, yeah, so, Again, uh, Denis Villeneuve, though, you look to his past, and h again, his his films are fantastic. And again, he's a more modern director. And I would say you look at James Cameron's films, but once he got to Avatar, he clearly lost something in addition to his mind. Uh, <laughs> Lancelotta, what's going on? Thank you again for being here. Uh, let's see, Robbie says, does Glass Onion at least work with its own context and in-universe rules, unlike The Last Jedi? I, I guess to a certain extent it does, um, but... Yeah, it's just very self-serving. The Morax says, A couple of movies I saw this year that weren't on your list. RRR and Small Town, Wisconsin. So, yes, I did watch RRR, so I did not log that one. I think I did a review on the channel for it, though. Really enjoyed that one. Probably not my favorites of the year, because the voice... They voiced of the film in their own language. I was very confused by that. Like, the whole time I'm like, wait a minute, do I have the setting wrong here? But no, it was their own language, and the mouth was matching, but... It was barely matching up. Uh, so that that really bothered me. Howard says, from what I've seen, Babylon, it looks like a self-indulgent, debauched version of a cross between Singing the Rain and Coen Brothers' Hail Caesar. Oof. Yeah, that's that already has me. Uh, let's see. Bruce says, speaking of giveaways, I have tons of movies to send to you. Well, thank you, man. By the way, if you did win the Christmas Eve giveaway, um, those will not be sent out probably for another week because I obviously just got back from vacation and still need to collect the addresses to send it to because I know that there were some international winners. Uh, Howard then says, in my opinion, Margot Robbie doesn't work well in period pieces and every one I've seen her in, she comes across as dis uh, distractingly 21st century. Yeah, her 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 accent in Amsterdam, I, I, at some points I was like, ooh, a bit of your Harley Quinn is bleeding out and it's hard to ignore that. So I would say absolutely. I think that's a good, good, uh, good take. Jenna Wingster then says in honor of Tina, Denis Vanilla New. Exactly. Vic Fontaine. What's up? It would lay and see to say, going to take a wild guess that you won't see this till streaming's uh, about over. So good night and God bless. Happy New Year. Actually, I ended up getting to it because didn't have too many comments in between. Uh, let's see. Greta, what's going on, Greta? Happy New Year's Eve, says Saw Babylon and was not impressed. Actors are great, but the jokes fell flat and it's way too long and the story is a mess. Okay, well, Greta, for those that don't know, she is our resident actress. She is a member of SAG and she is phenomenal as well. Check out her YouTube channel. Please make more videos, Greta. Um, uh, she is fantastic. Just a beautiful, beautiful soul, beautiful human being. Um, and uh, thank you, Greta, for for, for joining uh, towards the end of the stream. Um, and, uh, with, with that, um, since I'm not seeing comments on the other places, uh, we'll move to the, the last story. Uh, and of course that, that is one that, you know, obviously has hit me quite hard today. Uh, and that is the, the death of, of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Um, so a little bit of background on, on me. 
So in high school, uh, I, I forget if I was a sophomore. Let's see, Pope Pope Benedict was became Pope in 2005. Um, and because uh, obviously Pope John Paul II had had passed away in 2005, and then he was Pope from 2005 to 2013, I believe. So I would have been in probably my sophomore year of high school, and that was around the time that I was finding faith myself. You know, I'd obviously gone through the journey that everyone goes through in high school where you start to question the things of your parents. You start to, you know, if you c- come up in a family of faith, you start to question those things. And I started to really embrace faith um, in my own way. And I remember when John Paul II died and it was on all the televisions at school. And it was something that we, we talked about because it was a big thing. He had been Pope for, you know, what, 30 years or so since the 1970s. Um, and it was just very... Just again, it was expected, but it was also something that I had not been following all that much. And so I was kind of caught off guard by this thing. Oh, the Pope died. Well, that seems big. And so Pope Ben the 16th, when he became Pope, I, I remember I was on a retreat um, for people that the uh, teachers of the school thought might be interested in religious life. Um, and so this was before I, again, was a devout Catholic, you know, before I had really, again, developed my own, uh, the faith for myself, I was still I was chosen from amongst my you know my peers as being one of the persons that my teachers thought was likely to become or have the potential to become a priest and so I was like oh this is actually really interesting okay and I remember being on the retreat and having you know some of the religion teachers there with us and they were talking very candidly just about their their thoughts about the new pope right when pope benedict had been elected there was this great these great moments where they were reading off quotes from Cardinal Ratzinger, right? So Pope XVI's real name was Joseph Ratzinger, uh, again, German. And they were reading off quotes from, from books they had written as, as, as a cardinal in prior, right? Because he was, he's really the reason why I think Pope Benedict has always resonated with me so much uh, compared to John Paul II and, and Pope Francis is because he was a theologian. So he spoke in a very theological way. He spoke in a very precise way. And I appreciate that. That's the kind of mind that I have. And so I looked at the works of, of Ratzinger, of Pope Ben XVI, even his encyclicals, and I'm I'm always just taken aback by how precise he is, how clear he is as well. He doesn't use, you know, dense philosophical language like John Paul II did. Um, and he's not so off the cuff in his comments like Pope Francis is, where everything he says is substantive, is thought through. And... So I remember that they were reading this, these quotes and basically it was like they, you know, had this whole joke of him being like, you know, just, you know, just, you know, smacking the, you know, the, 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 the smacking the modern day heretics, et cetera, right? The people who are, who are questioning the teaching of the church in the modern day uh, who are, you know, still claiming to be members of the church, but are really not. Um, and uh, just being really taken away by that. And so over the course of the next several years, you know, at, with him as Pope, up until 2013, when he decided to step down, I, I remember just really, you know, being engrossed by by the things that he said and, and by looking at the decisions that he was making. And one of the big things that he he did during his time as Pope, and this is something that I did not experience until well after his time as Pope, was his encyclical Samorum Pontificum, or his letter Samorum Pontificum, his motu proprio, where he uh, allowed for a wider celebration of the Latin Mass. And I had not gone to Latin Mass regularly up until just really a few years ago. Uh, you know, I may, it might seem like I, I've been doing it for, for many, many years now, but um, it's longer because of, of, of COVID, I think, because time just has flown by with, with COVID. But I've only barely been going exclusively to Latin Mass for the last three, four years. 
And um, before that time, I, you know, was always someone that that always strived to find reverent liturgies. Always. Whenever I went to a whenever I went to a liturgy where it was very clearly um, just, you know, tambourines and and the guitar, very 1960s, 1970s, uh, what we call today the clown masses, very irreverent, or at the very least, not really proper to what, you know, as Catholics, we believe that Christ is truly and substantially present in the Eucharist. And so I'm looking at this and saying, this doesn't match up with what our, our belief is, right? That's why there's a, a famous saying in Latin, lex, lex orandi, lex credendi, right? The law of, of faith is the, is the law of prayer. Or basically, what we, how we pray, in ways of what, basically what that is saying is how we pray establishes what we believe, right? And so I, I just kept noticing there was this huge disconnect and I couldn't quite put my finger on it because I'm like, I, I believe this. I've studied this, right? I, I've, I've understood this from my own mind. And so this is not just something that I've taken from my parents and have just blindly accepted. It's something that I've challenged myself. And so it was, again, because of what Benedict Sixteen did, though, that it allowed for me to be able to later, after you know he had stepped down, after Pope Francis was elected, where eventually I did find the Latin Mass, eventually I did realize, oh, this is the reason why it was very hard for me to find reverent liturgies using what we call the Novus Ordo, the new order of the Mass, right? The, the modern version of the Mass that we find in most Catholic churches today. Um, this is the reason why it's so hard to find the so-called reverent Novus Ordo, which is always talked about, but is very rarely seen, it seems. Um, this is the reason why things since Vatican II have become very just very haphazard. This is the reason why there are a lot of things being said by the Pope that just don't match up with church teaching. And there's so many people defend, defending every single word he says and trying to justify what he is saying and how he's saying it. And I, I just realized and recognized just how, how broken things had, had truly become with the visible head and the visible structure of the church. Because the church herself can never fall away, right? The Christ, Christ himself says, right, that the church will never fall. And so I, I trust in those words of, of Christ who speaks to the church in that way. And so I know that this is just issues with the visible structure, but it is something where, again, when the visible structure is somehow seemingly being disconnected from the, the spiritual structure, it becomes a problem. And so it was through the works of Pope Benedict XVI, though. It was because of Samorum Pontificum where the Latin Mass was actually able to be celebrated by more people where, you know, there were some, uh, you know, there were some men's that, you know, some amends that were being made with, with groups like the SSPX, right? For a long time, I thought, and whenever I heard of the SSPX, Society of, of Pius X is what that stands for, for those wondering, who may not be Catholic. Um, and they exclusively celebrate the Latin Mass, according to the 1962 Missal, because they uh, come from a bishop who, after Vatican II, said, no, this, this, we are, this is breaking away from the church. And it was then that I, I realized that, um, and, and rather be, you know, before all that, I, I had been raised in such a way where, you know, every time I had heard of the SSPX, I had heard, oh, they're heretical or, oh, they're schismatic. And I remember that I actually had a moment, uh, with, you know, with Greta Zenner, um, in the chat again, much love to Greta Zenner because I, I believe I've even apologized multiple times now on this occurrence, but, you know, finding out her connection, to, you know, and her faith, right, to an SSPX community. And I was like, 
you know, I just couldn't, but it was because of Benedict XVI. It was because of what he did. It was because of his time as Pope that I was able to experience not only Latin mass, but also discover the truth about the SSPX, the truth about the Latin mass, the, the truth about what happened with the liturgy. Uh, there's a great documentary out called Mass of the Ages, parts one and two. Part two goes into this concilium, right? This group of people that literally just came together to hand make a liturgy. And, and when you look and see what it was and what it is now, and the changes that were made and how they were made, you start to recognize, oh man, there's some, there's some problems. There's some problems. And uh, again, so the, 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 the death of Pope Benedict XVI really does hit me hard because he became Pope during a time in which some of my formative years were made. And it ended up making decisions specifically with his decision on Latin Mass that ended up having such a huge impact because without his time as Pope, without that document, that allowed for that widespread celebration, I don't think I would ever have experienced a Latin Mass. And so I owe so much to him because of that very reason. So anyway, this is the spiritual testament of Pope Benedict XVI. Um, again, may he rest in peace. I think this is a time for us, obviously, to offer prayers uh, for the for the, you know, the repose of his soul, um, to, to remember just how difficult life is. But this is something you can find in many different locations. Um, and this is actually his spiritual testament. So it's like a last will and testament, but... It's a spiritual testament, so it's like the last words of 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 him. This is when he was actually still Pope. So he actually wrote this initially back in August 29th of, of 2006. And um, you can tell that he's updated these words, though, um, because at one point he talks about his co-patriots, talking about those in Germany. And if you've paid attention to them recently, you've recognized that Germany is very much going the route of schism. And he talks about saying he prays and hopes that they don't. He says, not let your, do not let your faith be distracted, he says. And I think anyone who knows what's going on in Germany knows what he means by that. And then he goes on to say, what I said earlier, I now say to everybody, do not be confused. And I think that there's a lot of things in here, because some people could question the validity, right? Did this really come from Pope Benedict? It reads very much like something Pope Benedict XVI would say. And I think that this is something that um, I'll go back to and, and reread again, because I think it does bring... A lot of clarity to the to the chaos of our time. And uh, as Greta says here, I mainly go to Latin Mass, but every now and then go to the English Mass at a different church, and it's kind of funny how different it is. Yeah, I mean, it is comical because a lot of people out there still think that the Latin Mass, or rather that the English Mass today, oh, that's just the, it's the same Mass, it's just been translated in English. It's like, no, it's not. It's an entirely new rite of Mass. And what Pope Benedict tried to do was try to say, oh, there's two forms of the Mass. That really didn't work all that well. It made some sense, but when you dig deeper, you're like, okay, still have some problems here. But when Pope Francis came in, and he, of course, you know, back in 2021, instituted Tricionis Custodis, which was his document basically overturning the document of Pope Benedict XVI. Again, that's one of the reasons why it kind of hits me in the heart, right? One of the documents that ended up being so important to me. Um, and important to my life of faith and, and my development, um, it, it just, it, it forced you to look even further into these distinctions. And it, it just, again, it, it's, it, it comes almost from this blind obedience to Vatican II council, where it's like, that's, if you look to the documents from Vatican II, especially on the liturgy, and then you look to the mass that's celebrated today and how it's celebrated, they're not the same. And that's why I think Mass of the Ages documentary part two is so important because it goes into 
This is not the mass that came from Vatican II. This is not the same mass prior to Vatican II in English. This is something that a group of people came together, including Protestants. And again, I know there are many Protestants that watch my channel and much love to you, my brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But still, I think you could even recognize, oh, that that does create some problems if you're, again, creating a mass, right? Or, or again, just even saying creating a mass is a problem. Because if you look to the liturgy, there's been a natural development over time for for thousands of years. And it's been mostly untouched for, for about a millennia. And then you look and see what came out of this concilium. It's just... It just, it's just so night and day. Yeah, great. It's, it's completely different. It's completely different. Uh, is there a Hebrew mass anywhere in any form of Catholicism, says Hardwick? Um, not that I'm aware of, um, because that, I think, I know there are groups that are dedicated to sacred languages. So Latin is a sacred language. It's one of the languages that was on the cross, right? Greek would also be a sacred language, um, but also Hebrew would be a sacred language as well. That's why, again, Old Testament... But remember, when it comes to the languages itself, the reason why Latin has been the name of the church, it's called the Latin Rite, it's called the Latin Mass, it's called the Latin Church, is because of Latin itself became the language of the church. Because one of the interesting things about Latin as a dead language is that because it's a dead language, you can't have what, I mean, look at what's happening with English today. Even if you're not Catholic and have no idea what I'm talking about right now, you look at what's happening with English today, how we can't even define what a man is, what a woman is in society, how you have now new pronouns being created out of thin air, out of whole cloth. You can't do that in Latin. Can't do it. It's a dead language. And so therefore, when you promulgate a document or a law in Latin, guess what? It can't be changed. It can't be fiddled around with. Because let's say you read a translation, you say, this doesn't sound right. You go back to the original Latin source, which is the official document, and you say, oh, okay, this is what the actual meaning is that there was an issue with the translation. You, you can't really do that with what's going on today. That's why there are so many masses today where if you look to the rubrics about the instructions of what the priest needs to say and what they, what they have to say, you start to recognize, oh, they're just making some things up. There are some good priests out there who are like, no, I'm going to say the black and do the red, right? I'm going to say the words that I'm supposed to say. And I'm going to do the things that it says to say. But there are some of the instructions themselves that are so open-ended. I mean, there's basically a part that says introduce people to what's going on. It's like, okay, that's very broad. So some priests literally will just like take the time to like be like, hey, I'm the center of the state. I'm, again, it's something that even Shia LaBeouf said recently. He's a, someone who's in, in the process of converting into the Catholic faith. I don't know if he's fully gone through that process yet, but I remember he was saying at the Latin Mass, he didn't feel like he was being sold a car. And I think that's the perfect way of explaining what many of the modern Masses are today, you know, is it feels like you're being sold a car. And then again, you go back to that concilium when they brought these minds together, including Protestant minds. And one of the mindsets was, how do we make the Mass more accessible to Protestants? Interestingly enough, it didn't work because people who are Protestant are Protestant for a reason. So making your mass more Protestant is not going to bring them in. Because what it does is it shows you that, if anything, it shows them, oh, if you're willing to concede this, and if you're willing to change this, then why would I move if you're just going to change with the times? And that's, again, something that has been very important with the church historically is that you look to the teachings of the church unchanging. You look to the mass. Sure, developed, because times do change. New feasts need to be added, right? Small things like that, natural developments. 
but you don't have that. And again, I think Pope Ben 16 was so important in preserving that. Human Waffles, what's going on? We're getting close to the end. I went a little over today, but I wanted to make sure to, to do the retrospective of 2022 to, to be able to get to y'all's questions and also, of course, to, to be able to, um, to, to get to talking here about Pope Ben 16th and his passing as well, because uh, hopefully now uh, you know why it, it's hit me so hard and why it, it's something I'm still processing. Jen Jurgensen says the Eastern Church preaches in Aramaic. Well, if you say preaches, preach in Aramaic, I mean, again, if we're talking about, well, for one, Aramaic doesn't exist as a spoken language anymore, for one. So that's already something I would say is problematic. Um, if you meant Hebrew, then I could understand that. Well, yeah, I mean, if you have a, if you have a Eastern Mass, or rather an Eastern Church, and remember, Eastern Orthodox, Eastern Catholic are not the same. Eastern Catholic, they're still in union with Rome. Uh, they're not in schism. Eastern Orthodox are in schism. Anything Orthodox is or are in schism. Um, but you do have these different languages. And so, yeah, you would find Hebrew as being one of those sacred languages. Uh, Syriac is also a, a sacred language as well. Um, and other things like that you would find. So, yeah. Uh, right news, tag to say, Benedict was the closest thing to St. Augustine that us modern Catholics had. The Latin Mass was a primary reason I returned to the church. Rest easy, Father Ratzinger. Absolutely. Rest in peace, Benedict Sixteenth, Father Ratzinger, Cardinal Ratzinger, whatever it is you want to call him, whatever title it is you want to call him. Absolutely, we should be praying for his soul. And yeah, I mean, he is one of the primary reasons as to why I have the faith that I do. Because even though I disagree with some of his conclusions, just to read some of his works... And he himself even said that what came out of the concilium, right, the, the mass, the, the, the Novus Ordo, as we see it today, was a banal invention. He even says those words. He was very much someone that thought there needed to be a reform of the reform. That was his main thing. And now, again, I think that there's problems with that, but you know, we can talk about that in more detail another time, another place. But for now, pray for... Um, pray for the former Holy Father, pray for Pope Benedict XVI, the repose of his soul. And uh, for those, you know, it was mentioned earlier by the Sage of Orgaseca, I believe. But yeah, if you're able and have already prayed the Te Deum at a church today, um, make sure that you pray the, uh, was it, the, the Venti uh, Creator, Venis Creator tomorrow uh, to gain that. Uh, Ryan Luce says, do you think Avatar Week 3 box office will go up? So according to, so the Sunday numbers, it's expected to go down like 12%, still very strong hold. And then I think the Monday numbers is where you see the projections go up because obviously it's a holiday weekend because tomorrow obviously will be weird because it's, you know, it's New Year's Day. So, and it's a Sunday. So it's already going to be a little bit lower, but yeah. Have you heard uh, Giuseppe Verdi's uh, Te Deum? I have not. Um, JKD Buck says, good evening and happy new year to all. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, JKD Buck, we're about to wrap things up here. Greta says, do you like Pope Francis? So, I mean, I respect Pope Francis as Pope, uh, his office of the papacy. Um, but obviously I have many concerns with things he has said, things he has written, even in his official capacity. One of the things that I've, you know, at first didn't have nearly as many questions about, but now that I've again, started to do a lot more research, a lot more, um, especially diving into older catechisms, his change to the catechism, the, the, the catechism of 95, the catechism of John Paul II, uh, usually it's just called the catechism today, his change of the teaching of the church on the death penalty. Even though I agree 
on in principle because I'm very much opposed to the death penalty. The fact that he, though, by doing this, creates a big problem by doing that because what he has done by 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 doing that change in the catechism is say moral teachings can change. If you say that, what is then to stop any future pope to change any other moral teaching? Now, some will again say, well, if you look at the development of the teaching on the death penalty, you'll see this natural progression. But you have a natural progression of, okay, we're, we need we don't need this as much because our prison system is much more effective because this has changed in society, etc. And you can, that can bring you so far. But to have something go from a thing that is seen as in scripture and in church teaching as being definitively taught, consistently rather taught, as being morally permissible, now no longer being morally permissible, that creates the problem. So uh, you and my dad would get along great, she says. Yeah. Uh, Tina Guzman, what's going on? Tina Guzman, thank you for being here. Happy New Year to you. Jacob says, not Catholic, but I grew up in the JP2 era and he was beloved. The man cried when they informed him he was going to be the next pope. Yeah. And that's the kind of person, you know, that we truly need. Um, and so that's why I, I pray for the conversion of John Paul. I, you know, I pray for the conversion of Pope Francis. Some people say, what do you mean by conversion? It's like, well, I think that there are some things that he holds to and has said in his official writings that are a bit problematic when you look to the history of the teachings of the church. And one of the things that the Pope, you know, the, the Pope has infallibility specifically on issues of faith and morals. However, it's only, it's only in relation to being consistent with the tradition that came before him. A Pope can't just come out of nowhere and say, we taught this one day and now we teach this. That's not what infallibility is. Infallibility is something where it's a defining of something that has yet to be defined or needs further clarification that is consistent with the previous teaching. And that is always a good rule because it is what keeps the church consistent. That sense of consistency really did seem to hit a brick wall with Vatican II. Now, again, people are going to say, oh, it's a, it is a valid council. There are good things in most of the documents, right? The vast majority of the documents have good things to say. But I do think that they we have to have an honest assessment of it, and we have to look at it and say, okay, but what did it actually do with the church? What were the changes that came in? How do those changes, you know, if you look to the Roman Catechism, which was also a catechism put forward, actually an official catechism put forward by an ecumenical council, right, back during the Council of Trent, versus the catechism of John Paul II, which was, again, promulgated by John Paul II, right? Well, obviously with the assent of the faithful. So there's, again, that sense of legitimacy to it. But you you have so much more theological and philosophical language in that it's harder for people, even non-Catholics and Catholics, to understand it fully if they don't have a philosophical or theological background. Whereas if you look at something like the Roman Catechism, it's very straightforward. Catechism of Pius X, simple question and answer. You look to that and you think, oh, I know exactly what the church teaches and, and why the church teaches what it does. So anyway... Well, all that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining tonight. Uh, may contain traces of seafood uh, over on Rumble. Says, Hail Odin, changing your product to chase new people at the expenses of the core supporters is completely pointless. Always support your core first. Yeah, so not only do we have, obviously, a, a proper understanding of that um, over on Rumble, uh, may contain traces of seafood. Not only do we have an understanding of that from a business standpoint, but it becomes an even bigger problem when you think about it from a theological 
standpoint and an historical standpoint as well. So for those that have stuck with me this long, because I know that not everyone on the channel, and I would say the vast majority of people, in fact, who watch me are have no interest in and you know necessarily in faith or anything like that. Thank you again, uh, because seriously, uh, many of you have been uh, the reason why I, I continue to do what you know what I do. I, I do this as I've mentioned consistently. I do this as a hobby. I do this because it's fun. It's fun to have these kinds of conversations about movies, about faith. Um, obviously, we talk about politics here and then. I know that there are some people who wish I did more stuff on my you know dedicated to politics and faith channel um, over there. But obviously, with with family and a little one who's toddler now, it becomes that much more complicated. But with all that being said, this has been an amazing year. Um, and again, there's been some good films that have come out this year. There's been some terrible films that have come out this year. So uh, if you want to follow me and follow my movie journey, you can check me out over on Letterboxd. Again, uh, letterboxd.com slash Reviews. You can follow me over there. And again, I will probably be, be updating that with either films that I have not featured on there or films that I need to add or films that I will be watching in the future as well. Um, but again, y'all have been the best audience in the world. I always say my Asgardian community is phenomenal. And I do want to end, of course, just with, uh, if you are on the discord, you will have seen that Tina has updated everybody, uh, in the general section, um, of, of how she is doing. Um, so she is on the mend. So thank you for everyone who's been praying for Tina. Uh, she's still not good enough to be able to mod and she, again, that will not be something that she will be doing for probably quite a while. So continue to pray for her, continue to pray for her recovery. Tina, I don't know if you're listening to this or will be listening to this, but God bless you. We are praying for you. We have your back. Uh, shout out to Steph who, uh, you know, obviously is, is hanging out at, you know, doing her own thing tonight as it is New Year's Eve. Um, and I always say this, this is the best community on the internet. This is the best, uh, this is the best family on the internet, the Asgardian community, the Asgardian family, um, because of the fact that we have each other's back. We support each other through prayers, through our you know positive vibes. Again, whatever it is that one is, is able to offer, uh, people are always so accepting of everybody else, you know, and that is something that has always been so unique, I think, to this uh, channel. And, you know, we, we obviously, we, we're critical. You know, I am the critic who is a cynic. I am a cynical person often. Uh, I am a critical person often. And yet we are able to still be critical in a positive way without need for use of, of, of rough language, without need for use of, uh, you know, of, of discourse that does not really add to the conversation, but rather takes away from it. And a lot of that is, again, because of because of y'all. And yeah, Greta, for you as well, I hope you have a happy and safe and blessed new year as well. Um, and for everyone else, too, who's here, greatest community on the internet, says JKD Buck. Agreed. Peace sign, says Gary. Absolutely. So again, shout out to Tina. Thank you again for keeping us updated. I know that you're not the biggest fan of Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Mapathor, as, as she always likes to remind everybody of his real name. Um, but uh, Or Maypother, again, I may be mispronouncing it, but I don't think that she would mind if I'm mispronouncing it in, in either case. Um, but again, there's been some great films this year, like Top Gun Maverick, like The Banshees of Anishirin, Um and others that I've mentioned today, there's been some not so good films as well, like Amsterdam and Violent Night and et cetera. Again, I talked about those. If you want to find out more about it, check the beginning of the stream out. But that's going to do it. Uh, that's going to be it for me tonight, everybody. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, amen, to, amen to that. Amen to that, says Sherry Allen. Uh, it's very true, and it's what the world should be. Amen. Bruce, happy New Year's to you. Thank you again for, for being here, for sticking around. For everyone else who joined tonight, thank you so very much. It means the world to me. I will see you all next year, which is just a few hours away, 
here on East, here in Easter time. So again, thank you all so very much for your love, for your support in 2022. Cannot wait to continue on into 2023 uh, for y'all to continue to support uh, the channel, to support the hobby uh, of, of, of doing this. And I will, of course, do my box office breakdown tomorrow, uh, both here and for Geeks and Gamers. Uh, so again, shout out to Jeremy, Geeks and Gamers, the entire Geeks and Gamers community. Shout out to Gary, Nerdrotic, and the entire Friday Night Tice community. Shout out to everyone in the Asgardian community as well. Uh, again, great communities that I am a part of. And uh, it's been a great year. And I look forward to the next one. And, uh, you know, people like to do resolutions. I'm usually not that kind of person because I think it's like, you know, silly to have that arbitrariness of, of being, oh, on this day, I'm going to start to go to the gym or on this day, I'm going to do this. It's like, no, do, do, you know, do that, which you should don't do what makes you happy. Cause sometimes what makes you happy isn't good for you, but do that, which you should, that's going to be different for everybody, but do that, which you should. And if you don't know what you should pray anyway, thank you again. Much love to everybody. Much love to all the mods. Uh, to Tina, to Steph, to the modern major general, Laura. Thank you for, again for, for being here, modding. Uh, and uh, again, it's been amazing. And I cannot wait to see what 2023 holds. And I will give more thoughts about films of 2023 and best movies of the year, worst movies of the year, the Raven Awards, all these things to come in the next few weeks. So if you're looking forward to those things, stay tuned. And make sure you have that bell notification on that. I still can't say it. Bell notification turned on. I don't know why I can't say that quickly. But anyway, you guys are great. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. Blessed uh, Christmas. A blessed uh, New Year's Eve. Be safe as well. People go crazy on New Year's sometimes. Um, I know that I'm going to have my, my my dogs. I still have them in the room with me. And uh, they are, you know, one of them gets very scared of fireworks. So I'm probably going to be like, all right, go do take care of your business before things get too crazy. So anyway, love you guys. Thank y'all for being here. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my December Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals members, the long-awaited December video. First off, shout out to my Patreon members, Father Luca Illich, Garrett Searles, Hymir Irie Hymason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, who you can check out over on his YouTube channel, Jonathan Carney, Laura, the Modern Major General story, Orange Hour Views, who also has a YouTube channel, you can check out at the same name, Rosetta Allen, who has a YouTube channel known as Eagle Rider, Miss Martin Muses, who also has a YouTube channel, by the same name, Chris from the 80s, who you can also find on YouTube by the same name, and of course, the Empress of the Universe, Tina B, who you can check out on her YouTube channel, Tina B. Uh, she does a show with the other Valkyrie of this channel, 70B, called Soup to Nuts, so go ahead and check that out uh, if you are interested. It's a very fun time talking about movies and all kinds of movie history as well. Also, shout out to my subscribe star peeps, Matt317, who you can chat out over on his Twitch channel by the same name, The R. Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, Jane the beer guru and the K man who you can check out on Twitter, but also on his website, X the boundaries.co X the boundaries.co to check out his, uh, his latest music musings, as well as his upcoming podcast as well. Also to my locals members, miss Minnesota hockey fan. How about a hockey player? UAB mad dog, Mike Jackson for the win. J H Schwalbach, Brett D 90 and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you very much for being my supporters over on locals. If you want your name shouted out at the end of every video and live stream, please check out the top link in the video description below where you can sign up to get access to not only 
vocal shoutouts, but also to giveaways of Blu-rays, 4Ks, and Blu-ray sets as well. Right now, I'm giving away things like Nobody on 4K. I just got a bunch of ones in last night. Shawshank Redemption on 4K last night in Soho on 4K. Some Steelbooks of the Godfather trilogy on 4K as well. Tons of stuff to do for giveaways, so check out, again, that top link to find out how to sign up to become a Keep of the Bifrost level or above to get access to that as well as things like the Chosen of Valhalla monthly member stream and also other goodies like the podcast that I do with John the Flick Pick Flickinger, which we'll be recording our episode for this month in the next day or two. So be on the lookout for that if you are a member of the Army of Asgard level and above. Thank you all very much for your time and attention. You're all amazing and beautiful people. Have a wonderful rest of your December. And as always, God bless.